Okay, so welcome once again to another Coffee and Heroes podcast. Uh, it's time now for our weekly review show. Your host, as always, Alan. Tonight, I am joined by... Vicky. Keith. And Roddy here. And what we're going to be doing is talking about our favourite releases from the 26th of February, 2020. I suppose I should ask, first of all, how everyone is on this fine evening. I'm not doing bad. I'm a lot better than what I was the last couple of weeks, so it's good yeah, to be back. Yeah, we missed you. Delighted to have you back. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, other than that, it's all good. How about you boys? All good? All good here, yeah. Nothing really nothing really exciting going on. Um, just pretty chilled out weekend. Went on a wee road trip, so yeah. Where good. did you go, Roddy? Went to, went, basically went up the Causeway Coastal route and we encountered Storm, is it Storm Jorge? Uh, which i find amazing given that the artist on middle west is jorge, jorge corona, corona. Jorge yeah. corona. um it it was something on the middle west driving up that coast um yeah it was brutal but it was really nice coast the causeway coast one of my favorite places on this island it is in fact thor's own country it definitely is so yeah yeah we ended up in Derry and then on doma and then yeah it was great yeah Good, good fun. So, so a few family members, so we're happy enough. Yeah. So, what about you, Keith? Uh, I had a, I was up and down the country, uh, down in Dublin on Friday night, back up to Belfast on Saturday night. Managed to catch a showing of the Invisible Man, that new, uh, that new version of, I guess it was supposed to be part of the the Dark Universe before that Tom Cruise Mummy movie flopped. Uh Possibly. Uh, Who was it that hired as the Invisible Man? Was it Johnny Depp? It was Johnny Depp, yeah, originally. This was this I think the script was, was redone and re optioned then. Uh but very, very good movie. We bit um uh, I mean there's a lot of nods towards the original uh Invisible Man story, H. G. Wells though. I don't know that H. G. Wells got a got a, a based on or inspired by credit, which was a wee bit disappointed by. Um okay. but okay. um I could be wrong there, but uh, we hung around long enough to see if there would be a, a credit <laughs> for the great man. <laughs> but uh, as we do with most movies, yeah. well, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm up to see it tomorrow, so yeah, I'll, I'll report back for you. Brilliant, so. brilliant. Just maybe, maybe uh, watch a wee bit more closely than I did. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's really good. It's sort of <laughs> maybe, very... maybe his title was on screen. It was just invisible. Ooh. Um, I'll get my coat. That was perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it was very good. It's it's sort of from the the point of view of the uh, quote unquote victim. Um, uh, a wee bit of a modern take. It's a wee bit sort of what's the term they use? Gas gaslighting. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of covers that. So uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was very good. Um, I've also gotten myself uh, picked up No Man's Sky for the PlayStation Four. Oh, brilliant! Uh, you've you've picked the right time to get it partly so two years after all the bugs made it brilliant yeah, yeah. or sorry all the fixes to the bugs yeah. made it brilliant so uh, uh, my my playstation spent a good i think 45 minutes downloading and installing patches so uh <laughs> but uh yeah uh it ate a couple of evenings on me last week oh, um fantastic i was chatting to keelan a wee bit about it kieran a wee bit about it um and uh yeah it's uh seems to be one of those games you could lose your life on yeah definitely you know, definitely yeah. so so yeah uh, i was looking for something a wee bit resourcey managementy and uh this seems <laughs> to be doing it so if Keith is not with us for next week's podcast, you know why. Keith yeah. will not be with you for next week's podcast because he has to fly to London for work. <laughs> that just That's means right. there'll be a delay to our, our usual programming. And Perfect. I'm away as well. I'm in Germany. There'll definitely be uh, a delay to our usual programming. Coronavirus <laughs> Sorry, it's, notwithstanding. It, but it's just me and you then, Vicky, next week. 
Yeah, we'll sort something out. We yeah. always do. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, yeah, cool. Well, uh, we usually start off with a wee bit of sort of news, what's going on, sort of the comics world, movie world, that kind of thing. Not really an awful lot stuck out this week, I have to say. Uh, there was a Comic-Con C2E2, which is uh, the Chicago Comic-Con. Well, that used to be Wizard World, didn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and then it was, it was Wizard World, then it was Chicago Comic-Con. And then now C2E2. Mm. I mean, the, the biggest announcement for me that came out of it was probably Marvel-based. Uh, certainly something to get us X-Fans excited. Uh, it looks like there is going to be, what is it, a 15-part, which, you know, well, if they're including all the X titles, that's, what, three months, is it? Two months? Uh, <laughs> I would say that'd be two months. That'd be two issues of each, because if you think about it, by the time we get to this, so this is uh, this is down as a 15-part crossover event that will link together all the ongoing X titles. So if you think about it, you've got X-Men, X-Force, Excalibur, Marauders, Cable, Hellions, Children of the Atom, uh, Wolverine, New Mutants <laughs> might just be one of each title yeah, at this point. Just, just one, it's, it's one month. <laughs> yeah, I think it might just be. But uh, yeah, pretty cool teaser image for it. Mark Brooks has drawn. Uh, Keith and I were sort of speculating earlier, would this be something to do with the sword that Magneto forged out of the broken Cerebro? Well, it seems that it's about 10 mutants wielding 10 different swords in the Marvel Universe. So maybe that's one of them. Maybe uh, we'll have the... The uh, certainly Ebony in that, blade and uh, certainly in that image you can see that Xavier is holding a blade. So mm-hmm, possible, mm-hmm. possible. Uh, well, that's that. I mean, it's kind of interesting. The 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 X, I guess, and the X of Swords is probably ten. If it's ten mutants, you know, which ten of Swords is a is a tarot card, isn't it? Yep. Um. So that could be uh interesting in its in itself. Um. I'm quite sure this isn't just last minute. I'm quite sure this has been on. On Hickman's plan. Um, I mean, you got to love in that preview image. It's just Apocalypse standing there saying, my sword's bigger than yours. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder, is this a sword he wielded whenever he was in Sabanur back back in the early days of Apocalypse? Yeah. So I would imagine there'll be a, f- a bit more news on that when it comes to next month's previews book. Uh, it'll be... Oh, it said it was July, wasn't it? Sorry. So it might only be a couple of books away. So obviously starting the hype machine nice and early for that one. I wonder who the mutants are. I mean, there's a big... That's a great... Great. Was it R.B. Silva? I think so, Picture yeah. there. Um, Captain Britain and Cable and... Uh, is that... Um, Doug Ramsey and Cyclops and Wolverine and Domino and someone at the back there who I'm not quite sure of. Um, Armour. Uh, um, Magic, wielding her own sword. Uh, Storm. Nightcrawler, who's always been a bloody sort of a guy, Iceman, and as you say, Apocalypse, and someone else who I'm not quite familiar with. There, I don't know. Mm. There's a few, yeah. There's a couple. There's a couple of that I'm not quite sure of. Um, but yeah, cool. And there's uh, Captain Britain, as well as Brian Braddock and Captain Britain. So very well, cool. Yeah, it looks like the seeds uh, will be sown for that title in the free comic book day special, which there is an X-Men one that Hickman is writing as well. So be something to keep an eye out for, you know, free comic book day being the first Saturday in May. It's the second of May. So uh, Vicky and I'll be away that weekend. So Keith, uh, we'll get you to mind the store. <laughs> Again? <laughs> oh yeah, it is a free comic book day. Why would you be here? here? Why, would I, why would we be there? No, no, no. We do the work the rest of the year. It's fine. No, no, no. We'll be there. Well, probably. Now that I've said that, we won't be. No, so there's, there's, there's no family weddings this year, as oh, okay. much as I know. Yeah, so. Uh, so it says Hickman, uh, 
Excalibur writer Tini Hard head up, uh, as well as other writers from the Dawn of X line also contributing. So, Keith, uh, you don't think this is too much too soon? You're still confident that everything has been mapped out? You're happy enough? I think everything's going fairly solid. It is interesting that um, they have now dropped uh, from the back of some of the books, you know, the, the, the reading order for yeah. the month. Oh, uh, that's been dropped from okay. some of the books. There's still, I think it's still an X-Men and X-Force, uh, but maybe New Mutants, but it's definitely it's definitely starting to drop. So they're starting to, to, to I guess, differentiate a wee bit. Yeah, forge their own identities yeah, a little yeah, bit more. exactly, after that first two. It's almost like the first six issues were the Dawn of X stuff, and that's obviously the trades they're releasing yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, so yeah. maybe after that, it's just a case of you can pick it up where you want and there's not a dedicated oh, reading order. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, he certainly built. He certainly built the world to a point that we we understand what's going on. You know that sort of way. So yeah, uh, we understand where everybody is and where everybody sits and who does what. And they've they've got the the quiet council formed. We know what Krakow is doing. We know how it's relating to the outside world. So yeah, I think mm-hmm. we're going to start seeing some 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 just good solid mutant stories. Yeah, I mean, as long as it runs across the main titles and it's not going to be main titles plus here's fifteen other X books you need to buy mm. to do this event. So. It does seem to say that it is going to be across the main title, so that's uh, that's definitely what I would prefer, certainly, anyway. Um, the only other thing I noticed out of C2E2 was Jim Lee was doing his own uh, panel. Obviously, Jim Lee has now become the sole publisher and chief creative officer for DC after Dan DeDio was recently, um, shall we say, pushed out before he, or sorry, jumped before he was pushed out of the company. But uh, he has addressed a couple of bits and pieces, and uh, the the most interesting one I found was he was asked about this impending 5G initiative, whether this would constitute yet another reboot, but he says that's not in the cards. It's hard to talk about things we haven't announced. Our intention is not to do a line-wide reboot. Our focus is in talking to the editorial team and to continue what we've done best, character-driven stories, pairing right creators on right characters, and developing characters that are inclusive and diverse. So, fingers crossed there's not going to be this big, massive reboot that I know was rumoured uh, with all the characters being aged up and getting rid of a lot of legacy characters and stuff like that. Uh, I really don't want to see that happen. So, it might have been a good thing that Tadeo is away when he is. But again, that's just pure speculation, I suppose. Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing really much stands out, I have to say. Unless uh, there's anything you guys want to throw in. I see that uh, Disney have removed a film from their 2021 release slate. Uh, interestingly, it would have been a film that directly competed with the untitled Marvel movie that Sony had added to its slate. So Sony added a movie which must be in the Spider-Man yes, world. Yes, imagine it'd be Homecoming yeah, 3, really, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah, so, so it's, uh, there you are. I wonder, is that exactly what it is? Um, cool. So teamwork has prevailed after all that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, um, you know, speaking of movies, the Suicide Squad has wrapped filming as well, so uh, that'll go into post-production, work on all the effects, the editing, that kind of stuff. I don't think it's out until later this year or maybe early next year, so plenty of work still to be done anyway. And uh, season two of Altered Carbon went up on Netflix in the UK uh, this week past. I don't know if any of you watched season one. I was a big fan of the first season. Massive, um, yeah. The only thing is, that kind of annoying thing, there's... With season two, it's what two years later now. So it's two years later, and it has uh, a different actor playing the yes. same lead character, Anthony but Mackie, isn't it? which obviously yeah. really works. It really works the with the, um, the re-sleeving of 
of, of bodies yeah but yeah i'm looking forward to it i've been watching been on a wee sort of netflix documentary binge actually there was a really watch that pharmacist Although I think that feels like about a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, that was now. great. I watched that in your um, recommendation. Yeah, yeah and the, they did a Malcolm X one too, which is really good. I've got that queued yeah. up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're two peas in the pod, are we? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'll have to have to take a wee documentary break and uh, get, get off carbon. of carbon too. Um, did you watch that one, guys? I've only watched the first episode of it one night, and it was ages ago. It just I mean, didn't really click your, with me. But given your love of Blade Runner, it's it's yeah it's right there like it's it's that's exactly where it sits exactly no, we, where it sits we've just been continuing watching the outsider which is pretty fantastic uh stephen keen adaptation started watching better call Saul, a new season which is mm-hmm. off to its uh normal fast start and more importantly first four episodes of brooklyn 99 new season fantastic oh, oh awesome cool. as cool. ever such Sorry. a show such a good show um so yeah, that is pretty much what we're watching at the moment. Anyway, um, I could throw in some news about the Schneider Cup. But I'm not going to bother because <laughs> even I'm annoyed at it these days and can't be arsed. Oh, tell, tell us why you're annoyed. We we could listen to that. <laughs> no, please no, don't. Let's not even mention it. Okay, so no. No, I'm only joking. Uh, yeah, so we'll move away from that. We'll move on to our uh, books before Vicky clips me around the ear. Um, so we are going to go into what we thought were the best books of the week of the 26th um i had a massive week this week i have to say it's the biggest it's been probably since the end of december i had 30 books in total wow Uh, that included eight marvel 13 dc and nine indie how many do you have vicky i had 11 i had three marvel and eight indie and how many dc uh zero this week but (laughs) but i did start harling last week i haven't been able to get back to it yet but i will sit and read it some point this week how about yourself, Keith? Uh, I was sitting on 25 this week. It was a pretty big week. Seems meager compared to your massive 30. Uh, <laughs> but that, but that's your consistent week, so... Well, fair, fair. <laughs> uh, for me, 14 Marvel, 8 DC, and 3 Indie. Cool. I had 8 in total. Um, wait for this. 2. 2 DC books. <laughs> <laughs> a whopping two. So I, um, more more than you had of Marvel anyway. <laughs> so and one Marvel and then five indie. So sorry, you can you you've obviously got one of my DC. That's why. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> it took one took took one for the team. Yeah, well done, Roddy. Sweet. And what was the best out of the best then? Go on then, Roddy. So which Ooh. DC title did you prefer the most this week? Well, it's more a, it's more a, a DH title for me. Um, oh, that was smooth. Was it smooth? It that did, was it very didn't smooth. Feel smooth in my head. That was but, smooth. Yeah, yeah was smooth. we'll go for it. Um, so this one, I decided to go for a dark horse title, and this one is called Tomorrow. Um, this is one one of five, but if you read it, it certainly feels like it's going to be a big, big. Um, Definitely doesn't feel like one of five. It feels like one of 100, maybe, <laughs> to me <laughs> when I read it. But yeah, um, it's one of the Burger Books line. So we've had a wee bit of experience with Burger Books. I know Alan and I read Invisible Kingdom and The Girl in the Bay, but they've also, we've also had another few titles. And I really feel like we were talking about Bang last week, Dark Horse or the indie indie world. You know, it, it goes in cycles. It seems like... Every couple of months, one company will have yeah. all the great number this ones. This little golden run almost. Yeah, and certainly I feel like Dark Horse are getting there. Um, so this one, Tomorrow, and it's by Peter Milligan. 
uh, Jesus Hervas and James Devlin, the colorist. And where do we know them from, Alan? Well, Peter Milligan's very much a uh, industry veteran. Uh, he's written on Hellblazer. He's written on X-Force, Detective Comics. He had a very iconic run on Shade the Changing Man, which was for Vertigo, which uh, he had worked with Karen Berger in the past. Um, the artist Jesus Hervez, it's not someone I'm as overly familiar with. He's worked on The Empty Man, Sons of Anarchy, Hellraiser. But, you know, I always say, like, keep an eye on creators and follow their work. I'll be following their work definitely after this first issue. I thought it was a pretty yeah, beautiful book. We'd start off with his work alone. It looks like almost sort of watercolor-esque. I know James Devlin certainly adds a lot with the colors, but I thought it was absolutely gorgeous really beautiful and expressive book i love this style and i love the layouts as well there's it's like a really exciting book as well they did a lot of great setup work in it um but I'll tell you a bit about the story it's sort of like a science fiction horror and this one this is number one although i'd say it felt like certainly as a marvel fan keith would appreciate this it certainly feels like an issue zero because there's a lot of great setup to it there's maybe not necessarily a lot happens there's a lot of kind of flashbacks to everything um our main character um if i can remember his name what's his name oscar isn't it oscar yeah and he has a twin sister kira isn't yeah um basically he starts off with his mother dying um this russian russian computer virus has sort of spread and came into the world and has made all the adults die out um so oscar basically it flashes back and forth but oscar finds that his mother is dead in the first first page which is pretty brutal and oscar is um he's a neuroatypical um person um he's also a what is it he plays a cello cello is yeah it? yeah he's also so like there's a musical a of, prodigy almost yeah he's a, he's like a prodigy and there's a lot of great there's a lot of great character work with him um what i really enjoyed about it is his his internal monologue's great at the start he's like i'm not a monster i'm neuroatypical and so he's trying to he sees his mother there but he's trying to sort of be distracted by it um i really enjoyed that sort of part of it some something i've never really seen in a comic book character Certainly the the virus um, knocking out all the adults in the world, you know, that's we've seen that sort of trope before. We've seen a virus trope before, even just in the clock recently. There's been loads of comics like that. And obviously pretty topical with the news, with coronavirus, of course. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a stunning debut. Peter Milligan, fantastic story really excited by it and who else who else was on it all of us uh, i you read it earlier on um, yeah I, I read it today as well um while i was waiting at the at the doctors today and i was annoyed when the doctors came and got me i was like i've only got a few pages left i really want to finish this and um something that stuck with me when alan had mentioned it to me he had it in his head or got it in my head that it was um a bit like why the last man mm -hmm. And as I was reading it, I could, it kept jumping, my mind kept jumping back to reading Wild Last Man and it was very much like it. And that one being by Brian K. Bourne, it was sort of, the idea was very similar, but 
in that one it was just yeah it's just a case of i mean in this one it's it's sort of the adults that are dying out as opposed to you know all men dying out what i really enjoyed about it was that you've got this character of oscar who is not your stereotypical protagonist but as well as that you've actually got three very different perspectives in this book because you've got that of oscar uh you've also got uh agent trevon tricky or tracy what a great name uh, he's a cybersecurity expert for the U.S. So at the beginning of this story, he's very much all business and like we got to save the world and there's this virus that's spreading and he's got contacts in Russia and all this kind of stuff. But by the end of the first issue, it then becomes very personal for him. It's like, screw the end of the world. I got to find my kids because their mother is involved in a car crash and, you know, he has to go and, you know, check on them, that kind of stuff. But you've also got a third main character and this was one that at first I wasn't too sure about. Because he just comes across as, you know, pardon my French, a jock asshole. <laughs> but uh, it's a character, I believe, called Nate. Um, so there's a bus accident. Uh, he's traveling with a soccer team. But it's amazing how quickly he gets over that accident, just assumes the role of a leader and saying, right, we need to do this, we need to do this, we need to do this. He's got a very rich father, isn't that right? Yeah. He does, but it would be very easy for like a very, you know, like a rich kid, a trust fund kid to just be like, you know what's going on oh i'll just call a chopper get us out of here. who cares about this kind of stuff but he's very leader he's got great leadership skills and seems very resourceful but it also introduces his father who's on a retreat um away from technology for a few days as well so as roddy says there's just there's tons of setup here which you know i was slightly disappointed when i see the front page is one of five because this feels big to me well he i believe he mentions in the there's an introduction at the start and, which in um, itself was quite unusual usually yeah. you get, usually you get that editorial at the end but he's what does he say he says like you have i think i think he says he's finished the final episode of the first storyline of tomorrow um for now at least and obviously seals and uh yeah, dark well. horse editorial uh pending but yeah it, there was so much it was so dense so and hold on in it. This is a five issue, did you say? Yep, one of five. So, and this this will be the first storyline of what, what he's saying many, there. Yeah. What he's saying there is he's he's finished the first story, the first storyline. So obviously, he wants there to be more. It was yeah. the same yeah. whether it would be a volume two type yeah, thing, or it was the same with Invisible Kingdom when it came out. It was one of six, I think, and then a uh, second going. volume came on, but it was only announced as one of six. You know. Um, I agree with, I mean, what you were saying earlier on about, I mean, we're seeing a wee bit of, uh, about this, uh, you know, about contagions and this and that and the other, of, uh, with, with the clock, mm-hmm. um, just mm-hmm. as you mentioned earlier on. There's also a wee, it reminded me a wee bit of Stephen King's cell. Do you remember it was oh, a virus yeah, yeah. that spread through mobile phones and technology and that? Specifically, it was cell phones, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's, there's certainly something there. Um, and obviously it's fairly, uh, it's fairly spot on with regard to to, to world news at the minute <laughs> yeah. as well, isn't it? It's. Uh, I thought they they did that balance really well of like um, the personal, but also this um, worldwide ending threat. You know, Ooh. I thought they really, really got across the personal stakes, um, but also this grand, especially with there's shots at the end of the 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 crash the. Um, it's the car crash. And yeah, yeah, certainly yeah. you see the world just falling apart. Yeah, it looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, yeah. it's a gorgeous book, and I'm really, really excited to see where it goes from here. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was very interesting. Very interesting. And of it, well, we should say the main part of the story is uh, Oscar and Siri have been separated. 
and um, the main crux of the story will be Oscar trying to find Siri there across the country. So yeah, sounds really good. I loved it. Came out of nowhere for me. Um, I think we had mentioned it on previous, didn't we? Yeah, I think yeah. we did mention it before on, a, on previous previous podcast. But yeah, just really subtle details in it that were great. Like you can see, um, you know, the agent's wife who you know he's advised her, you know, drive, get out of here. So he'll be carrying a lot of guilt as well because he basically told her to take the kids out in the car and get far away and stuff. Uh, but there's even in the art where she's driving, you can see she's sweating and stuff like that. They don't call attention to it mm-hmm. that something's wrong with her until further down and. Just, yeah, really, really good book. Um, really, really surprised me, I have to say. And uh, I've actually read it twice now, so I think that's always the sign of any. <laughs> I didn't get whenever I first read through that it was only killing adults. Yeah, they mentioned that early in. Um, Does Oscar not say something about it at the start? Yeah, I think. Or, I think. Yeah, I could be wrong. Of course, you put me on the spot with it, so of yeah. course someone will find it. I'm just, yeah, I don't know. I just maybe, maybe I just, I just missed it, or yeah, it'll but be in there. Yeah, somewhere. interesting, interesting uh, character in Oscar as well, and uh, yeah, I'd be interested in, uh, in picking up the second issue for sure. But also on um, before they go to his like his cello interview or um, his recital. That's the one. Um, he says about colours, obviously. When they travel, they have to wear a certain color. If he's uh, playing, yeah, 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 yeah. they have to be in a certain color. Obviously, just obviously, that's the way his mind obviously works. Just um, he ha- people have to be in certain colors and have to do certain things in a certain way. So, just sort of shows you that people need their routine and stru- structure. Mm. Well, he in particular says he's what do they say neurodiverse. You know, so I mean that could indicate he's on the, you know, the, the autistic spectrum, isn't that right? And mm. um, yeah, so really interesting. Yeah, there's going to be a lot to play with there, and I'm sure that will not work well for him in at the end of the world, or maybe it will. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So there it is. There, there's just a little summit they're holding. Um, so they're chatting to say the way things look, we might not have a few months. What's the latest death count? Uh, numbers are changing by the hour, but since the onset of the virus two days ago, we estimate between two and two and a half million fatalities. So far, it seems only adults are dying, but we are in a fluid situation. So, um, yeah. But yeah, great first issue, I have to say. Tons of talking points, tons of setup. There was a little preview at the back of like four pages for issue two, but I just ignored I just, that. I nope. skipped that. Yeah, yeah I skipped Definitely. it as well. I wasn't. If, if I'm if I'm already invested in this story, I'm happy to wait until the next one. So, uh, yeah, so that was Roddy's pick, uh, which was tomorrow number one. Uh, what have you got for us, Vicky? Moving away from the indie world, I've gone for Falcon and Winter Soldier number one, um, and it's by Derek Landy and Frederick Vincenti. I think I got that right. Yeah, you're up there. I think it's Vincentini. So, Vincentini, yeah, but um. I really wanted this one because obviously really from the movies I've sort of seen Winter Soldier and Falcon I've not really sort of seen anything or read anything else of theirs before so I just thought with it being a new number one to give it a go and sort of um, try and get sort of see if I could read it and then get more people onto it and which I think I did I think I got two extra people onto it Yeah, you look a bit confused everybody Derek Landy. Is it Derek? What did I say? Is it? Yeah, it is the same, same Derek Landy, yeah. The Irish author. 
Sam Derek Landy, who writes Skullduggery Pleasant, I yeah. believe. And Dead Bodies with Samantha Mumpa, the <laughs> film. Um, yeah, that, that's class for him. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, didn't realize it was the man, the man himself. Yeah, that's the thing. I um, I read it on, I think, Wednesday. It was either Tuesday night or Wednesday I read it. And then the next day when Keith came in for his pool, I was like, I was like Keith, you need to read this. It's very good. And he's like, if I don't like this, I'm going to tell you about it on Monday. I was like, fine. And Keith? I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always nice when even I can recommend something and someone else picks it up and they do actually enjoy it, which makes me feel better that I'm doing my job. Oh, right. you, you certainly are. I mean, I was a wee bit, I'm always a wee bit wary of um, books that come out around the time that other media is announced. So we know that there's a, a Falcon and Winter Soldier TV. Disney Plus TV, TV show. show so I kind of go, uh, is this just, is it just marketing for... Is it, I'm, I'm just going to be reading an extended advert, yeah. effectively. But uh, I didn't feel like that was the case. I didn't feel like that was the case here at all. And I'm a huge Wonder Soldier fan, like so. Yeah, I, like I said, I've not read much of either of them, so it's nice to veer away from some and try something a bit different in the Marvel world. Obviously, with um, obviously normally uh, Wolverine being my main source in into Marvel, so I thought I'd try something different, and it was just nice to go on and. And with it starting, um, when soldiers sitting there, Bucky sitting there with his cat, just meditating, and who would have thought Bucky would like to have cats around? That's so. changed my entire opinion of him. <laughs> I mean, he's not meditating; he's sitting, getting ready to like you know Some, get his violence on. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I but, didn't realize he was a cat person, so that's a problem. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> as Alan says: cats are a minion of devil. So <laughs> they are. Uh, but as you go through the book, obviously it starts out and Bucky is just being attacked left, right and centre by special arms forces by the looks of it. But it doesn't take much for him to take, take them out. apart. Yeah. But as he's doing that, he has got his cat in hand, like jumping down the stairs and, and stuff, which is quite nice to see that he looks after the cat as well. He doesn't want to get it shot. So, And then he realises someone's after him, so he has to try and find who is it. And then it cuts to Sam as Falcon with his hawk, I'm guessing. What's his, I can't remember his hawk's name. Red Wing. Is it Red Wing? Uh, it's on here now. It is. Yes, it is Red Wing. Yes. There you go, Keith. One up for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they... Sam's obviously investigating something because someone's gone missing, and then he I'm trying to think. It's a uh, it's someone it's a vet. He it's that's who Sam like like in uh, the original Winter, Winter Soldier, Soldier movie. Yeah. Uh, Sam a Sam runs a, a, support, a, a group. support group for, for yeah. veterans in this. That's it, and then he gets to the office of Federal Utilities, and there is just dead mangled bodies everywhere. This and. Turns out they may not be good people. No, but who would be waiting is Bucky. So they team up. Team up. But he, but even Falcon knows the score here because his first question is um to to Bucky um you didn't do this did you? <laughs> Bucky just sort of looks at him like wow really. Well, obviously he has to ask these questions and so they they're going through the bodies and and files to find a certain person that should be working there and they go through and find her 
a very hungover person <laughs> is um what's it? Uh Veronica, is it? Yeah, I believe it is. Yep, Veronica Who Ed- is who is Bucky's handler, uh I think. Isn't that right? So yeah. so the this this office of they they sort of handle Cause he spies goes and, and stuff, he, yeah. He basically terminates people, basically yeah. this is his job. And then um she recognises him straight away and sort of they're going through and she's they end up telling her that um everyone in her office is dead. And then she didn't realise it hits her. And they have to go through and they want to get onto the computer where obviously it's all all the documents and and stuff that they need to find this person. And there's a line that you don't like in this, um, isn't there, from Bucky that you didn't think? It just didn't come across as... I mean, I haven't read an awful lot of Bucky. A lot of my... um a lot of my knowledge certainly comes from the movies and I have read the original Winter Soldier and stuff like that, but she basically mentions uh, someone that's dead and he just sort of goes, oh, I'm so glad they're dead. <laughs> to be fair, he's talking about Barnes Zemo, so... I mean, still, I don't know. From Punisher, one that... Um, yeah, yeah, Mark, yeah, the, uh, yeah. Matthew Rosenberg. Rosenberg yeah. And then suddenly this... See, can't really call, call him a kid, can you? That's the thing. When, the, when this character's first introduced, I thought he was about 13. <laughs> But obviously, as the scene goes on, you're thinking he must be a little older, at least. Not by much, though. Not by much, maybe 16. But obviously, there, so there's a character that has followed them to the house, uh, essentially introduces himself almost as a fanboy, says, you know. Calls himself the natural, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he steps in and basically kicks the absolute crap out of both of them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he's, he does seem to be a bit of a 16 year old boy. He's very preppy looking. With an interesting color scheme. Yeah, but he's. Uh, <laughs> He's, uh, I mean, is is he the is he Baron Zemo's replacement or is he? I don't I don't understand. I don't know who he is or what he is. But first time I've ever seen him. Is he something like Taskmaster? Can he? Does he have photographic reflexes where he can, uh, you know, look see how 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 they fight and 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 mimic them or yeah, is he a mutant or what's going? No no idea who he is. But he he takes uh, takes them both two out, two he? two former Captain Americas apart. And in a very mannerly way, yeah, consistently yeah. calling them sir. And yeah, <laughs> and he's you know. he's such a such a huge fan. It's an honor for him to be able to kill them. He even <laughs> says, know. "Here, I still have your poster on my wall." Yeah. So it's can like, I get a selfie with you and all this kind of stuff? So it's a very unique villain that has been introduced. I thought, he was, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he was a the, great villain. They do say something about his Hydra mind control or something. Is like the Hydra or you know, very insistent or something. Um, yeah, at the end, so he, he sort he's of... Obviously got yeah, he seems to go off piece a wee bit at the end rather than killing Winter Soldier and Falcon. Mm-hmm. He says, well, I'll give you a chance this time. It'd be lovely to see you again. <laughs> so unfortunately, no matter how good a villain he is, he makes the big mistake. If I see you again, I'll kill you. Instead of just killing them on the spot. Well, he, he effectively <laughs> challenges them, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, to go again and, yeah. and be able to... And if he didn't, it would have been a very... It would have been a one-shot rather than a... Very series. short book. Yeah. But with a very shocking conclusion. I have to say, but yeah, no, I enjoyed that as well. It's uh, it's very nice art style. Uh, the artist, I have to say, very much pulls together all the action scenes really, really well. It reads fast. It's yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really good first issue as well. I think it's just five issue miniseries, so definitely felt like an action comic when I read it. Like oh, really very interesting. Much so. Superman wasn't in it, Raleigh. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> very good. 
that's very that's good. a little comic humor right there yeah. <laughs> um cool so that's falcon winter soldier number one that was vicky's pick of the week what have you got for us keith controversial i've got a black label title Oversized black label title? Not a chance. Nah, not uh, that controversial. It's a regular sized black label title. Um, it's from the Sandman universe, uh, issue four of Size Barriers, John Constantine Hellblazer. Uh, so this is the beginning of um, it's the beginning of a new. I don't know if it's a it's a one shot or uh, it seems to be the beginning of a new arc. Um, there, there was an interview with Simon Spurrier where he said he liked to do three issue arcs here, right? One shots there, three issues there, that kind of thing. He wants to make it as as easy as possible for people to jump on, even well, if they miss the start. This is certainly a, a really good jumping on point. Um, so uh, the last arc uh, involved um, Constantine being involved with a like a street gang called the Rye Boys and. Uh, uh, a park in London being haunted by disembodied angels and all sorts of stuff. Um, this is called uh, Scrubbing Up, and it starts with John sort of realizing, you know, he's gone, he's, he's effectively having a new start, you know, so he's, he's, he's dressing back up as he used to dress up whenever he was first introduced, you know. So uh, <laughs> he says... Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's bought a new suit effectively you know and he uh, John has a it's a fallen angel I think that is stuck in his smartphone uh, called uh, Vestibulin and this this fallen angel constantly just ridicules him ridicules and derides him you know uh, so it starts off with saying you look ridiculous and he's like fuck off Vestibulin nobody asked you <laughs> you know so it's already I mean from the first it's already a 17 plus comic book you know um but John's dressing up. He's got these white gloves on. He's got his, his overcoat on, you know. And he goes, uh, you know, he says, even fanning about in a swamp with the ambulator- an ambulatory cabbage. I guess he meant swamp thing, right? <laughs> uh, bit of pride in the old appearance never hurt. I built a reputation around this look. Of course, then along came the 90s and it was all scruffy or chic and designer sweat patches. Difficult to roll back from that. Well, bollocks to it. <laughs> you know, so he's dressing up white gloves and everything you know he starts to think of the white gloves a wee bit too much you know uh the dialogue but the 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 conversation between himself and his haunted smartphone <laughs> is just it's, it's really fantastic but he's got this fresh start and uh you know he's got a new apartment new start he's back in back in london town and so forth and uh, uh he thinks well new world new me that's that's, that's all this is fresh start you know and uh, he steps outside the door and he immediately gets attacked by some sort of vomit demon. Um, you know, so... Uh, it, it, uh, and in doing so, his new suit is absolutely ruined. He's back to his scruffy, you know, appearance. But he is... Uh, he's, he doesn't feel he's saved, but uh, an, inter- an, an individual intervenes called uh, Tommy Willowtree, who uh, kind of not unlike uh, Winter Soldier and, uh, and Falcon... Falcon and Winter Soldier rather is a bit of a John Constantine fanboy. sees sees John as a as a as a mentor. In fact, introduces himself. He goes, "Mate, it's a total honor. Bit of a fan." <laughs> <You know? laughs> but uh, you know, he this Tommy Tommy destroys this this he calls it it's a, a real gnome elemental. Uh, he destroys it by taking on the uh the warrior pose you know some sort of yogic pose <laughs> that's how he channels his magic so this guy is a complete um complete hipster mu- magician uh he's all you know tattooed arms man bun 
you know, uh, sort of scarf. carries a man bag, wears a scarf, <laughs> you know, you know the type, you know the type. <laughs> um, but uh, he's, you know, um, <laughs> he says, he says to John, he goes, whoa, you don't practice uh, visita CD. Oh, mate, you've got to try it. By mindfully lunging between yogic stances, I can expel. John's like, change my mind, not interested, don't care. <laughs> so he's immediately, they're just too counter to one another. And the, the the back and forth between them, you know, is just, it's really it's really beautifully written by Sice Breer. Um, <laughs> you know, and um, they get in the car, you know, so John now has, has a driver who is a former member of the Rye Boys, this this gang that he met, you know, and effectively he owes John, so he's now decided he's going to be his driver. Um, this guy Tommy has been looking for John forever. He's been trying to fill the, you know, he claims he's been trying to fill the void left by, by Constantine whenever he left he left England, you know, but now John's back. He really needs to, he really needs to find him. He really needs to, you know, and uh, he knows, he know, this guy Tommy knows he's going to, far as the skills of taking him he's not looking for a sensei as such you know and uh he says the truth is i know i've gone as far as my skills will take me and john's like all this and humility too be still my beating spleen <laughs> <laughs> you know? and meanwhile john you know is trademark you know smoking and uh, this guy's like would you uh would you mind not uh smoking i find it clogs my uh my vishuddha chakra and <laughs> john blows the smoke straight in his face <laughs> you know so there's a complete but yeah it's um they go through and they pick up a what looks like like dark happenings, uh, you know, at the city of London and these haunted uh, haunted ravens, isn't it? Isn't it ravens that that normally hang out in the in the Tower of London? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that you know? So uh, yeah, there seems to be some badness going on with them, um, you know. And uh, at one point, you know, John go, you know, the, Tommy's going, yeah, you see, I'm marked out wherever the the dark energies take root, and John's like, sigh. Let me guess, big fucking pentagram right across London, and he's like, "Uh, no, not exactly." Uh, it seems the uh, the dark happenings are in the shape of a large cock and balls, <laughs> right across London. So. That was one of my favorite parts. Yeah, but I, um, I, I did comment that I thought this book was written by a thirteen-year-old, in the best possible way, just because of the puerile sense of humor to it. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so this guy Tommy also. Uh, you know, it just seems to be really great at everything, you know, and he practices paranomancy. And uh, John's like, para what now? And he goes, oh, it's like word sorcery. Uh, you know, and he goes like, say you wanted uh, a drinkable coffee, okay, like uh, driftwood roasted with ethical nettle milk or whatever. Uh, I'd make the sign of the monad and be like all, oh, mundane swill, a swollen bruise upon my tongue. With better coffee, we'd get a, latte god a, a lot of good done <laughs> you know and john's like all right you do pun magic okay but um but yeah so they they, they get they get he's attacked by another demon it seems there's someone after john you know john uh, he's getting more and more pissed off with this guy he ends up in the laundromat twice because it's attached attacked by another puke demon <laughs> but um John decides at the end of the day that this guy is showing him up in every way. He's a better magician. He's younger. He's faster. He's fitter. You know. So John decides the only thing that he's probably better at him than is drinking. <laughs> so he takes him to the pub. <laughs> you know, and uh, he decides right. And he's, you know, it's not. I'm not just tries to make excuses. It's not just an old guy trying to be better than a young guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he takes him in, and it turns. You know, of course. 
John's drinking Guinness. You know, this guy's drinking, you know, hops brewed in the ethical way. He's actually visited the brewery's farm in an anti-privilege retreat at Samhain to do a cleansing rite in the crop, you know. And it goes on and on, pint after pint, you know. And uh, this guy starts saying, oh, my favourite story about you, John, is this, you know. And <laughs> John's me in the corner absolutely pissed, you know. <laughs> pint 11, he's like, man, do you want to do you wanna switch to gin and tonics? I'm just so buzzed from meeting you, man. I, I don't really think the beer's really touching me. <laughs> John, meanwhile, he can't string words together. Jeez, he sounds like me after a few pints, <laughs> switching to gin and tea. Like... But... Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just was a really... At the end, uh, Tommy presents John with uh, these holy items, the, the Bone Chalice of Albion, the Druid Stone Scepter, the 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 Witch the witch Clan Blade, um, you know, and wants to set John up to be the Mage Lord of all England. John's response is to throw up all over the table and the, <laughs> and the items. So, um, but yeah, it just, uh, it just was a really fantastic story, really lovely dialogue. Um, it was just the idea of of Constantine, you know, and Constantine's character, who we've all come to know, has sort of been a wee bit, a wee bit stuck in another time, mm-hmm. very brusque, very you know, cutting to the point, being put up against this, you know, new age wizard, this sort of drawn from I guess the the millennial generation, you know, and and, and you know that sort of hipster vibe, you know, it was really really interesting back and forth between them. And has Matthias is Bergana Matthias Bergana has he done the the whole run so far? No, or is new, this new story new artist, arc, new, new artist, new, yeah. new story arc, new artist? He, yeah, he does some gorgeous stuff. Is it Jordi Belair doing colors? Jordi Belair in colors, yeah. That mm-hmm. is a gorgeous looking book. Yeah, it, it, that I mean that's something that I maybe overlooked was the <laughs> whenever we were talking there. The art is really fantastic, uh, really open, lovely, lovely colors. From the start, right through to the end. <laughs> the visuals of the uh, puke monster are yeah. quite fantastic. Loads of good visual humor in it too. <laughs> yeah, there, so it, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, just fantastic. I mean, I've been enjoying Constantine sort of since, or Hellblazer since it started. Um, you know, that they had the one shot and then the first three issues, but mm-hmm. uh, the first three issues were starting to get a wee bit tangly, so it's nice then to have this, you know, this wee breath of fresh air. As I say, whether it is the start of something with this whole Medjolord Lord of All England, uh, I hope they they keep uh, they keep uh, Mr. Willow Tommy Tree. Willow Tree mm-hmm. around because that, that juxtaposition of the two characters is fantastic. <laughs> uh, even just for another issue or two before it starts to get annoying. Yeah. Um, Do you think he's going to be uh, a villain or is he more... Oh no! This, this guy pop, does like... not have a villainous bone in his body. I don't think. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, very, very, very good issue. So, uh, Hellblazer number four by Sysbrier, Matthias Begara, and Johnny Belair. Cool. I think I need to get on that. Maybe. Oh, Constantine at the start, his hopes were so high, standing in front of that mirror, scrubs up it well, really was, slicked yeah. back hair. You know, he's even wearing gloves and. Yeah. Yeah. But I do like that the uh, the demon in his phone does, or the angel in his phone does say, nonetheless, yet the gloves are ludicrous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was the same. I was sort of finding the first couple of issues a wee bit convoluted, a wee bit like throwing tons of information at you. And this just seems to strip it right back and just show you the character and all its glory. Reads really well just as a one shot, but also yeah, yeah, sets up some yeah, good I'm wondering stuff if as well. I'll be interested to see where issue five goes. I mean, I would imagine they'll certainly jump on all of those magical artifacts. Uh, the Bone Chalice of Albion, the Druid Stone Scepter, mm-hmm. and the Witch Elm Blade. Um, so I would imagine they'll certainly go off somewhere with that, whether Man Bun, as 
Constantine calls him once, which I really enjoyed. <laughs> I love that it's used as an insult. I also really enjoy Nothing wrong f- with a man bun. There's plenty wrong with a man bun. That's why you got your hair cut, Roddy. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I love that he uses his magic to make driftwood roasted with ethical nettle milk. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Good coffee. Yeah. Horrible coffee. And uh, <laughs> I said it before, I can't believe the word donkey spunk. Is yeah, a, yeah. A yeah, and I thought it was interesting is <laughs> after Tommy converts his his uh standard horrible uh coffee into whatever it is ethically roasted whatever mm-hmm. um john but yeah 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 that's, he uses the term donkey spunk to refer to the coffee yeah pours it out and goes back and gets <laughs> the horrible black coffee that he was drinking before um <laughs> but annoying at the end uh there's no indication that the story's finished yeah uh, and then it segues straight into uh, a wee preview of a wee sneak preview of um strange adventures uh which i didn't read um, not because I'm not looking forward to it, but again because I'm looking forward to the book. As it's coming out this week. Yeah. Oh, and I should say it does say "scrubbing up part one" at the back, so this is the first part of a. Yeah. Okay. It was nice as well. I mean, there's very, very minimal adverts through it. Um, if you notice, one of the perks of black label, Alan. Yeah, yes. I mean, it's. <laughs> I mean, there are one or two, but they really are towards the, the end. Perk of black label. You know. Um, you got to go, I think, 20 pages in before you actually get an advert, which is great because it really allows it to flow. You just get a quick deceased advert, quick Birds of Prey one, and that's it. Uh, so, yeah, definite, um, definite benefit of Black Label. As <laughs> so you say. Next issue, Scrubbing Up Part 2. John Constantine is the new major lord of all England. Please pray for England. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that was, uh, believe it or not, a DC Black Label pick uh, from Keith. Normal sized, of course. Uh, we'll, we'll get him onto a bigger book yet. Uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, so that just leaves myself. Uh, so for me, my pick of the week was also an indie title, also a Dark Horse title. Curiously, not a Burger Books title, though. Uh, this is Hidden Society, number one. This is a co created book uh, by Raphael Scavoni and Raphael Albuquerque. Raphael Scavoni, I've read bits and pieces of his work. Uh, you might have actually read more of his work than me, Vicky, because he's currently writing Hit Girl. Uh, oh. He also worked on a small part of All-Star Batman. Raphael Albuquerque, though, is the reason I was drawn to this book, because I'm a big American vampire fan, which was a Vertigo series he co-created with Scott Schneider. Uh, he also was an artist on All-Star Batman and on another creator-owned one called It which was also through Dark Horse, I believe. Didn't you also say he was on the art of Huck? That is a good point. Yes, Raphael Albuquerque, also artist on Huck, a Mark Miller six-issue series for Image. So, Hidden Society, we've talked already a little bit about how there are quite a lot of -of end-of-the-world scenarios and stuff like that in comics. There's certainly a lot of urban horror and magic in comics, but this does it really, really well. It differentiates itself straight away in the first panel, New York, 1979. So it's not set in modern day. It's taking you back to the New York of the 70s. And this is essentially 24 pages of setup, but brilliantly put together. You're introducing four to five characters, uh, which are all being brought together to you know fight evil, essentially. So you kick off with this first character, which, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, I believe is called Mercy. And she is... They, they never specifically said, but I get the feeling she's a soul collector. Mm. She has a uh, she has a book when she comes into this bar where this uh, 
guy's playing cards with a couple other ones he's clearly cheating he has cards up his sleeve he's taking money off as the barman says uh hard workers decent people uh and she has this little book in her hand that she's listening which has his name on it uh a couple of pages later she has glowing red eyes and uh she walks away from him saying say goodbye to your soul luck guy so i think that's essentially what she seems to be then you have a, a blind girl who also excels in magic who is out walking her dog uh, but is able to use a pendant which summons Orcus who looks like a mixture between a demon, a goat, wears a metal waistcoat, smokes cigars and is quite uh, quite the smartass. And uh, then you're introduced to Ulu the wizard. But the character that I enjoyed the most was you've got this sort of lack of a better term mini magician you've got this little kid who is trying to prove what a great magician he is so what he's going to do is he's going to make the brooklyn bridge disappear so he keeps saying again and again to like all the people as he's getting ready to do this magic trick you know did you put the trick mirror in place did you put the trick mirror in place so he goes out gives this big massive uh big massive greatest showman type stuff you know thank you for centuries humanity has searched for wonder and amazement uh, comes out to make the Brooklyn Bridge disappear and of course it doesn't work so in his head he says I knew it they didn't test the mirror and then he ends up reciting this ancient language um, and then out of nowhere it is now gone and he has no idea where he sent it to uh, and he can't bring it back either so he just runs away <laughs> he's just, he's, doesn't know what to do so he just makes a run for it uh, I don't know what happened but I do know that the show didn't work from the start because of that mirror. And like they're begging him, sort of going, uh, you need to bring that bridge back. Uh, but yeah, what essentially this is doing is just introducing you to these characters very quickly. I'm going to bring them all together uh, under the sort of stewardship, stewardship of this guy, uh, Ulu. And uh, they're going to face evils in the world. And that's essentially it. But yeah, just brilliant book of setup, really interesting characters. I'm a big fan of the artist, uh, very expressive artist, great colors as well. Really interesting characters. Highly, highly recommend this one. I think it's just going to be a five-issue mini. Is it not four? Because um, if you look... What the... No, that's the date oh, to okay. be continued in Hidden Society, the 2nd of April. Because I actually did think that myself when I read it. I was thinking Hidden Society number two of four, yeah. but I think it's the second of April, which okay. is the release date for the next one. Oh, yeah. Um, so we shall see. Cool. Um, I really enjoyed it too. I thought the title was a bit, I don't know, on it's the like, nose. A bit, yeah. Could they not have came up with something a bit more inventive? It, but gorgeous looking book. I, lo I really adored it. And for me, that is some high praise for urban fantasy, which is not normally <laughs> uh, a thing that I enjoy, apart from Magic Order. But um, it wasn't a thing you enjoyed. Yeah, until maybe, you, maybe I'm getting into it until now. you came yeah. to this podcast in this parish and uh, sat beside a man who loves a bit of urban pulled magic. Pulled up a pulled up a pew beside Keith. Love me some urban fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I haven't read I, Hidden Society yet, but I'm looking forward to it. But I introduced you to Magic Order. Yeah. Yeah, it's slippery slope. You're surrounded, like Roddy. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, you're uh, getting into urban fantasy. But yeah, really, as I say, I like the the idea that it was a different setting. It's back in the 70s. There's no cell phones, technology, all that kind of stuff. So it can actually focus on real magic, so to speak. But uh, And it's interesting as well because the book that Mercy's carrying then shows the name Ulu. And uh, again, if she's a soul collector, then maybe she's got a... 
she's got an ulterior motive for meeting up with these guys as well. So, uh, yeah, pretty great stuff, I have to say. Uh, so, yeah, that brings an end to our picks of the week. Uh, we will jump on a few honorable mentions then. Uh, as I stated earlier, I had a 30-issue pull list. Um, so, it was a big one. Keith had a big one. And what does that mean? A lot of quality this week. Mm. Um, start off just very quickly with a bit of DC. Uh, I was very close to once again picking Curse of the White Knight as my pick of the week. And speaking of that, while you have been chatting, there has been some big news on the Twitters. Oh, there has, has there? John Gordon Murphy, Murphy says, so big news actually. DC wants a mini imprint of White Knight. I'll write the bones for new minis and they'll set up the writer-artist team. It'll be done between new volumes of Batman White Knight It'll be the Murphyverse. Stay tuned for books on Harley, Nightwing, and Batgirl. That sounds amazing. Oh, I was really home for a nice... <laughs> Goodness <laughs> sake. Yeah, He's not gotta, a performing monkey, people. Yeah. He's not a performing people. Um, that sounds <laughs> awesome. Uh, I mean, that is one thing I would say. I've, I've loved the Murphyverse and a lot of the stuff that Sean Murphy has set up in it, but it hadn't really expanded beyond that one shot, the Von Freeze, mm-hmm. which was pretty excellent. Uh, so yeah, that's that's great news to hear. Well, the suggestion seems to be that he'll 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 plot, but other writers and art writer and artist teams will will write and draw. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, yeah, on to this week's one, which was Curse of the White Knight number seven. So number seven of eight. So we're entering the end game on this uh, storyline for now. He has already announced a third book, uh, which we'll really look forward to. But. Yeah, essentially with uh, Curse of the White Knight 7, you've got Azrael who's taken over as Batman, but he's close to death at this point. Uh, I did particularly like one massive splash page of him jumping over Gotham majestically, yep. only for the next page for him to be throwing up and needing his medication. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Um, throwing up through the mask, no less. Uh, that's a horrible scene, actually. Yeah. Um, he throws up through the mask and uh, I think I think there's some barf coming through the eye hole as well oh. <laughs> Murphy does like a little uh, little bit of detail there uh, but yeah so you've got Barbara Gordon who is uh, recovering uh, Azrael broke her back and sort of echoes of the Nightfall storyline Bruce is trying to make peace with her at this point and also make peace with the fact that he is not a Wayne indeed you know that's that's the whole crux of this story that you know the joker always saw this ultimate joke that batman was actually a descendant of criminals uh because someone else assumed the the mantle of of edmund wayne yeah yeah uh, uh, who first came to gotham alongside Azrael's descendant yeah uh so i guess the gist of it is that uh Azrael would be the natural wayne yeah and exactly. bruce is just an imposter almost i suppose uh but yeah, I mean, the crux of this story is Bruce is ready to give up being Batman. He is, he is outed himself to the, uh, to all of Gotham that Batman really is Bruce Wayne, and he basically says to them, "Look, support me on this. I need to bring in Azrael. After that, you can do what you want with me." And there's this really great scene actually where all the police are on his side and behind him, and they're like, "Look, we appreciate you're going to do this, and you've, you know." Uh, revealed your identity and all the rest and Batman essentially says if you're with me just leave the streets clear so that I can go and catch him and then there's this really beautiful sort of scene in the equivalent I suppose of Times Square where uh, the streets are completely clear and therefore the everyone's on his side uh, so it, it sort of ends where they've spotted Azrael so it's all going to its massive conclusion um, there was one thing that held it back from being my book of the week and Anyone who's listened to this before or chatted to me in store knows I'm not a fan of Batman 89. I think it's a terrible movie. Uh, 
Sean Murphy's clearly an unabashed fan. Uh, there's one Batmobile left, and he says this one's always been my favourite. It's the Batman 89 Batmobile. So don't expect to turn corners quickly, Bruce, without the aid of a grappling hook. <laughs> but then he says, let's get nuts. And it just calls to mind the most un-Bruce Wayne moment ever captured on film, even more so than Batman and Robin, where he cracks up in Vicky Vale's apartment. He's like, you want to get that? Come on, let's get nuts. This is not Bruce Wayne. This is horrible. Terrible movie. Anyway. That's the one thing I held it back for me, but Keith really enjoyed. Oh yeah, I think I think that that Batmobile is is just is the Batmobile. Whenever I think of the Batmobile, that's what I think of. Is is the I just think it's a fantastic looking, oh, really really over stylish. Substance. Yeah. Um, that's okay. It's one more issue, then I will be able to read it and make you happy for me reading another DC book. Well, this is true. That's why I was actually trying to cut down in spoilers halfway through there because I thought Vicky's only recently read White Knight and she's waiting for the trade of this. So, well, I'll probably just read the singles when you get them all. But. Yeah, just wanted to go at this point. But yeah, it's, it it continues to be a, an absolutely fantastic book. You know, we we talk a lot about you know how books ship on time or if they're delayed or this and that. Sean Murphy both writes and draws this. It's the same colors every time. Matt Hollingsworth, but this book ships on time without fail and there's never a dip in quality in it so uh it continues to be our biggest pull actually for dc stuff so people are really appreciating that i think that was mm-hmm. one of the strongest issues of it as well i mean i really enjoyed the art and it was just beautiful yeah um and just the fact i think the fact that he's getting towards the end of the story it's all sort of coalescing um so yeah quite uh quite enjoyed that uh what about yourself roddy you know out of your mammoth 2dc titles <laughs> there seems to be one you enjoyed quite well a lot. i did have Baskerville Heads, another black label title, still getting pretty good. Um, it's picking up now, but the one that I really enjoyed was really enjoying Bruno Redondo and Tom Taylor's Suicide Squad. Um, we were on number three this time. Uh, color by Adriano Lucas and letters by Wes Abbott. Um, there was some great, I uh, mentioned earlier that Falcon and Winter Soldier felt like an action comic, and I think this these these suicide squad issues have just felt like pure fun pure adrenaline filled fun and there's some really great scenes between uh is was a killer shark or what's king shark king shark and uh Finn. finn um really enjoying their dynamic i'm loving the colors and all the the design of it really excites me the story is is great too but i really love the the design of the book and i love the panel layouts they feel really unique and inventive to me um and i love i just love the way king shark is done and that i, I love that <laughs> I, I, I i've been i've been waiting three three issues for that prick to get his <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love the joy of it of uh, are you in my head good i want to see this through my eyes but i love the tiny little panel at the bottom that almost would remind you of like something out looney tunes where finn is tapping the shark <laughs> in the head and it looks like the shark is smiling yeah <laughs> just, just the, literally uh, just the story sort of seemed to start to really come together here mm-hmm. uh where i think we're starting yeah. to see where this uh this this version of suicide squad is going to go and why and they're how put it's together different. Yeah, yeah how it's different from the suicide squad before it the amanda mm-hmm. waller suicide squad and the idea that I mean, the, the the crux of it really is that Suicide Squad has been um, has been the the victim of a, a coup, uh, yeah, the leadership yeah. coup. So who the hell is in charge? Who is this lock guy who's liberal with pressing the electrocute button? <laughs> and you know, and then the idea that 
you know, the the new team members have got a, an agenda as well and knew what they were doing the whole time and uh, how they've been united and bringing certainly Deadshot on board for their mm. plan, but not necessarily Harley. I didn't get the yeah. impression that, yeah, so... I don't know about Harley. Yeah. Well, Harley was used pretty interesting in it. Uh, an interesting way, I thought, where she's with the new members of the team and she's like, well, what should I do? And one of them says, I'm pretty sure you're only here as part of the establishment to keep an eye on us. And she's like, I'm part of the establishment, <laughs> you know, which is like the most anti-Harley thing of all time. Um, but yeah, th- thoroughly, thoroughly great book. I mean, I've never been a massive Suicide Squad fan in general. This is one of those follow the creators types books. Um, Tom Taylor never disappoints, but yeah, just a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, despite how grisly it obviously got in the middle there with uh, <laughs> King Shark's demise, shall we say. Uh, so yeah, I'm taking that as well, Suicide Squad. It, it's pretty, pretty popular in the store. Uh, I have to say, uh, what else we got from DC? We have the aforementioned Basketball Heads. Digging that myself a little bit. Keith, you seem pretty drawn to Leviathan this month. Yeah, Leviathan Dawn. Um, so this was a one-shot uh, by uh, Bendis and Malieve, who were on the previous the event, event Leviathan. Leviathan. Yeah, so, six-issue mini. Yeah, so this is the, the follow-up to that, I guess. Um in the six issue mini, we discovered who and what Leviathan was after some a lot of research by Lois Lane and two different teams, you know, working away. Um, kicks off with Steve Trevor, um, of Wonder Woman fame, um, being released from jail by a, a mysterious individual called Kingsley Jacobs. I don't know if this is someone I should know or uh, not no. familiar to me. I think Ben, this is pulling from deep. DC okay, history. Okay, he seems to be, certainly. So, uh, effectively, uh, you know, we know that Leviathan has arrived. Uh, we know that before anyone knew what was happening, a uh, former spy master called Mark Shaw, who used to be a member of Argus and a Manhunter, took over Leviathan, which was previously Talia al Ghul's organization, which was where Silencer came from before it was cancelled. Um, and that's where I knew Leviathan from, and mm-hmm. there was rumblings of that in there. He took over Leviathan, used to destroy and consume the assets of every super spy organization in the DC universe. Um, a lot of the great of detectives in the world stopped his, what he was calling his event Leviathan um, to take over the world and release all the secrets before any real damage had been done. Uh, Lois Lane's father didn't survive and Leviathan, Mark Shaw, got away and Leviathan has grown so fast no one can stop it. They seem to have like a whole fucking city or island or whatever it is, you know, and uh, so it was, a, it was a pretty cool story, but uh, we see a wee bit of the inside of Leviathan, we see what happens whenever, you know, we see why the event of event Leviathan failed, um, and it was because there was a, effectively a, a traitor in Leviathan, so they're quickly dealt with here, and uh, and uh, they move on to their next chapter, their, the next thing that they're, they're going to do, um, you know, which is to make a statement uh, that we're not the bad guys, to establish a par base, and uh, so yeah it's good so you've got Leviathan on that side consolidating what they want to do in the DC universe and how they're going to be players in the DC universe meanwhile uh, this guy Kingsley Jacobs and uh, Steve Trevor they are assembling a team to to to, to counter Leviathan I guess uh, that team consists of Steve Trevor Mr. Bones who was the uh, he was the leader of Argus was that right? No the DEO, DEO. Um, you know and he's the that skeletal individual Kind of weird, sort of a sort of a critter, um, and the Green Arrow, of course, Oliver Queen, who was who was central to the to the to the uh, the previous event Leviathan thing, and 
one of your favourites, Alan, the question. Uh, so that seems to be the team. Um, Manhunter as well, the, 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 the female lady Manhunter. Type. Yeah, it was a previous Manhunter yeah. who obviously has been thrown for a loop, I suppose, for lack of a better term, uh-huh. given the identity of uh, Leviathan. Yep. Um, a former Manhunter. Uh, so yeah, the team the team they assemble is uh, Steve Trevor, the Colonel, uh, Manhunter, the Hunter, the Arrow, the Truth, Lois Lane, the Wildcard, Tally Al Ghul, uh, King, Kingsley, uh, Kingsley Jacobs, the Question, and Mr. Bones. So uh, that seems to be the the setup. The, the crux point at the end is that Leviathan effectively buys their way into owning a country, Markovia, mm. somewhere I should know, don't know. Um, and uh, effectively, this this seems to be setting something up. I would have loved this to be in the first of a of an ongoing or a, another mini, but it seems that it's going to be continued in Event Leviathan Checkmate. So the 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 group that the heroic group that they have, uh, or not, they're not quite heroic. The spy group that they have put together here are calling themselves Checkmate, yeah. and they've been set up to put Leviathan in a checkmate position. Um, so yeah, so this is it's going to be continued in another. I guess it's going to be another one shot. Whether or not it'll ever become a mini series again or, a, or an ongoing series, I don't know. But that was yeah, really beautiful. The sort of the spy side of of the DC universe and Bendis just doing his thing along with Alex Maleev. It's just it's pretty gorgeous. You really, know, so. how ever since Bendis has come in, they really have positioned Lois as a hell of a character. Very much so. Very much so. I mean, and this ties into what's happened in the Lois Lane book as well. So. Uh, ties into the Superman revealing his identity, all of that good stuff. So yeah, yeah. But, Sorry, but there's a one person within our store that would disagree with that because he does not like Bendis. I have no idea who you could possibly mean, but he, he's he's the kind of person that thinks Terminator Genesis is the best Terminator movie. So and loves Milk Wars. Yeah, you know who you are. You know who you are, and probably other people know who you are as well. That sounds like <laughs> and such despite a threat. all this, we love you. Yes, we do. <laughs> This is true. Uh, customary shout out for the latest issue uh, of my second uh, DC Black Label title of the evening. Whoa. Holy uh, moly! So uh, you're probably fed up listening to me talking about it, but you're still not reading it. Uh, Last God uh, number five. Um, so this story is is just uh, it's continuing uh, Philip Kennedy Johnson's uh, high octane uh, dark fantasy. Uh, we get the. Uh, what you really need, we get effectively get an origin story, but in, in true high fantasy style, it's the origin story of the gods of this world and where the uh, where the, the the big bad comes from. Cool. Um, so it was uh, very very uh, you know the, the what do they call it the plague of flowers? Uh, it continues to take place within two timelines, thirty years apart, uh, with some sharing some characters, not you know not other characters. So you're seeing the same characters. You know, in, in this story, as they were, you know, and how they were thirty years previously, and just the two timelines are, are sort of coming together nicely. And uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of a lot of conflict between the characters, and and uh, it's it's and then you know we continue to have some really beautiful back matter. Um, the 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 stories of the history, uh, the history of, of of different races and and so forth and so on. So it's. Uh, yeah, really strong, really strong, really good-looking book with uh, Ricardo Frederiki's art. Um, really, really good stuff. So, And uh, last DC customer mention for me, Batman Beyond, now issue 41. Uh, Alan, I know you've expressed some interest in, in 
and getting involved in what's going on with Batman Beyond. Yeah, I really just need to lift 40 issues off of you. Yeah, you really uh, do, you really do. <laughs> um, so we we now know the identity of uh, of Batwoman, who has taken over the Batman Beyond uh, uniform uh, in, in Terry McGuinness's absence. Terry's uh, lost his memories, under, undergoing complete amnesia, not unlike a, another favourite DC character of mine, <laughs> as a result of a tangle with a, with a character called False Face. Uh, this story has um, one of uh, one of uh, Terry's first villains coming back, uh, Derek Powers, who goes by the pseudonym of oh god, I can't remember. It's it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> He's like a radioactive uh, man type character. Um, but yeah, um, really enjoying this. At the very very end, uh, he does get his uh, Terry does get his. Uh, memories back and uh i don't know if, if batwoman beyond is going to become a an ongoing character in this but uh yeah it's really just really good knockdown drag out superhero action you know so batman cool. beyond cool cool so honorable mentions there for dc uh far into a few from marvel now uh one book i would personally says again one of the best things marvel's putting out at the moment you're probably sick of listening to us talk about this corner of the marvel universe but there's just so much quality there uh i'll kick it off with x-men fantastic four number two uh once again chip Zdarsky, and this is a book drawn by the dodsons uh this book is um it's interesting this is the only x book that doesn't have in its opening credits head of x jonathan hickman which i find kind of strange because this is a really essential look at the X Men universe, I think. Uh, it it's it's interesting in a couple other ways. It's uh, first of all, it's got um, Kitty Pride alive mm-hmm. uh, because she's not currently in Marauders, and it also has her wearing her old costume uh, because that's not the costume she's wearing in Marauders. Yeah. Um, so there's a few things there's a few things going on here that aren't quite in line with uh, with the the Hickman verse, um, the the you know the Dawn of X universe. But uh, yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's, it's a great book. Uh, second issue in, really, really enjoying it. Just it just looks at some really interesting stuff. I mean, it looks at the other side of Krakoa and the mutants. You know, there's a great part in it where Sue's talking about obviously their fear is losing Franklin and obviously him being part mutant and it, a mega level mutant, no and, less. And obviously very very important to what the X Men want to achieve, but. You know, she says, you know, Reed, you heard them, that you've witnessed their actions. They're a nation that thinks they're better than everyone. They're helping people for a price. Sabretooth has diplomatic immunity. Apocalypse is with them for... They're not the people we once knew. They're not heroes. So it's a really interesting look within the heroic community about the X-Men. It's not just yeah. like, thank you for helping the world. So they still come across like assholes in this one? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're definitely... They definitely... Certainly the... Uh, Professor X and Magneto, you know, that's sort of the, the, the leaders come across as, as kind of dickish. Still yeah. getting the threatening kind of vibes yeah, from them. Very yeah, very much. But then, you know, you've got the, the more human, to, well, quote unquote, uh, <laughs> side of things with the Marauders. You've got, you know, Kitty Pride and Iceman and, and uh, Bishop and Storm and, and that. Uh, so they're, you know, definitely the more the more human side and yeah, um, but I guess the, the centerpiece of this issue is the, the, the fight between the X-Men and the Fantastic Four, whenever the Fantastic Four breach, breach Krakoa. Um, and that's a great scene when uh, the mutants suddenly realize, actually, Reed Richards is one of the smartest 
people on the the planet maybe you know and they suddenly realize oh and they go oh and with with his wife the invisible the invisible woman they can be anywhere and then they suddenly go oh oh no <laughs> and realize that they're in the room with them you know so uh yeah great battle and then we've got on the other side of things we have uh dr doom who has captured uh his goddaughter uh or his, sorry no his god doctor i mean doom delivered valeria mm-hmm. uh made sure that she could she lived through through a, a difficult delivery and uh one of the deals was that he would be named as her uncle so yeah it's a great little bit of dialogue there uncle yeah. doom it's very obvious that you're hiding something except the soul yeah 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 so she he is he's kind of uh franklin and, and valeria's de facto uncle um so yeah, he's he's and his Doom's intention is to do what Mister Fantastic couldn't, and that is cure Franklin of the ailment that it means that every time he uses his power, it's diminishing. Um, yeah, he wants to help him realize his yeah, full potential. Yeah, yeah, essentially, exactly. Uh, for for whatever reason Doom may have, but uh, but yeah, it was a, a really a really interesting book. Still enjoying it. Yeah, things are never as they seem with Doctor Doom. No, I don't think he's there to be trusted, to uh, to say the least. Uh, yeah, so that's X-Men Fantastic Four number two. Obviously, we have our customary X-Men title in there as well. Yeah, X-Men number seven. Uh, you reading many of the X-Books, Roddy? Zero. Oh. It's like, see, with uh, X of Swords now, it's, it's gone. One day I'm going to have to p- pick up, but it's gone now. Yeah, yeah, okay. Fair enough. Sorry. No, it's okay, I'm not reading X2. <laughs> Um, missing out on some fantastic magical the uh, high some powers but you know it's just I don't know that's too fair. much that's fair too big a commitment for me you know uh, so yeah X-Men continues to be the core book I feel uh, this particular issue we follow um, kind of I, sh- I, I should say this book was an unannounced extra sized issue as well oh was it <laughs> yeah I hadn't I hadn't realised it was when I was reading it, uh, there was so much depth to it and detail, and then I got to the end of it and then went back to the price point, which was a $4.99 book, and that's how I knew as well, but it right. is an unannounced extra-sized issue. Is that to make up for the week that they... The possibly, month that they yeah. possibly. Um, so yeah, we, we learn about, about uh, through the eyes of uh, Cyclops and Nightcrawler, mm-hmm. uh, and they're, they're talking a bit about, um, I guess, the ethics of, or the... Um, of what goes on in Krakow, and we learn about something called the Crucible. So, do you remember back uh, back a few years ago, um, Scarlet Witch, uh, during House of X, declared no more mutants and wiped out most of the mutant population? So, obviously, we've had a resurgence in the mutant population since, but uh, those mutants who lost their powers, who are now human, you know, they're still... They, they're, they're, they're former mutants that don't have any power, but, of course, Krakow is a is a land of mutants so there's this thing the, the, the mutants are the Krakow mutants are faced with a problem is that they have all these people who consider themselves mutants who are unpowered but of course we also have um, the resurrection protocols so people can be reborn their bodies can be recloned and people can be reborn and their minds can be put back into these bodies um, so that 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 presents the problem of so many mutants depart mutants needing to be reborn and the, the the five can only rebirth so many at, at any one time. So there has to be nearly a competition to figure out who is chosen to be reborn back into their original mutant body. And this is called the Crucible. Uh, and the Crucible, rather than have mutants commit suicide or because that's against Krakoan law, uh, they have to 
be chosen and killed in fair combat trying to defend their lives uh, and again we go back to the idea of if someone's killed and reborn so many times and they're left with all the scars of what killed them so do they even have a soul anymore yeah exactly you know so yeah. that's what this is all about um so uh sam and Paige guthrie's uh, so cannonball and and uh husk their younger sister melody was one of these deep hard mutants so she ends up and being invited into one-on-one combat with apocalypse which is a combat she's always going to lose but she does so on her own two feet sort of thing with and honor basically yeah exactly yeah. and is is killed by apocalypse and then is, is it's almost like assisted yeah, suicide it is exactly yeah. and that's what we get to with the conversation between cyclops and nightcrawler nightcrawler of course being uh, a, a, a catholic man. priest yeah and cyclops being one of the elder statesmen of the of the uh the, the island so so yeah it was a really interesting uh really interesting story again um lionel francis used beautiful beautiful art uh there was a really interesting scene between wolverine and uh and cyclops at the start which definitely seems to suggest you know what we saw in x-men one definitely seems to back up that, that they are in a polygamous Fluid relationship. relationship with gene yeah. gray um it's a it's a really interesting exchange and I mean, if so, uh, Jonathan Hickman's probably writing what is the most progressive relationship in, in comic books. You know, it's, uh, yeah. Uh, so, X-Men number seven. Lots of interesting things going on there. <laughs> what about you, Vicky? You got a Marvel one you want to throw out there? Yeah, I've got um, Punisher Soviet um, by Garth Ennis. It's just, it's not quite as brutal as the previous issue I found. Um you almost sound disappointed by that. <laughs> well, it's goth in it, so you can't, and it's Punisher, so you kind of expect. I, I don't know. I suppose um, there's a level, you know. There's a level you have to yeah, hit. Yeah, but I, I suppose there is brutalness in this comic because there's a guy that gets his foot shot off. So I guess it is brutal, but it's no way as. I guess it's brutal. It's just not brutal enough for me. No, it's just it was not... always going to be a tough act to follow those bodies being skinned alive and, you know, writhing in agony in front of a guy. Exactly. So that's what I mean by it's not as brutal as that. But it is brutal. That's a hard one to top, yeah. Yeah. Um, you're reading it as well, aren't you, Keith? Yeah. And I think it's going... Uh, they've gone after the wife of... I can't remember his name. Uh, the... Aye, so the... the, the, the uh, our, our our co-anti-hero, the the Russian Punisher. Yeah. Um, he used to be a member of um, of a particular unit. Uh, the commander of their unit sold them out, and um, and is now a crime lord who is trying to go legit. Uh, what these two do, what Punisher and Russian Punisher do, uh, <laughs> is uh, kidnap your guys, your guys' wife, Thanks. to try and get some information. And it turns out she's a little more. A little more than they bargained for. Yeah. She's got a finger to the pulse. Yeah, exactly that. Is probably the best way. Um, and sort of obviously her husband is trying to get her back before she talks. Because she's obviously stalling by giving up some information, but not the information I think that they want. Mm. Which obviously we'll find out more about it as the story goes on. Cause I think it's, uh, it's pretty cool how, uh, how the two... The two punish or I can't remember what your man's name is. No, I, I um, don't. The two the two punisher types um, really totally underestimate her. Uh, they you know they kind of realise that well they 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 
Ironically enough, his name is Constantine. Oh, there you go, Constantine. Okay. <laughs> um, so Frank and Constantine, they, they do understand that the that this bad dude, this crime lord, has had many, many wives, and how has this one lasted as long as she has? And she proves so how, just yeah, how she's, yeah. she's a lot more than, than, than just good looks. You know what I mean? So, yeah, good issue. It's very good. Yeah, very strong stuff. Uh, what about yourself, Roddy? Another Marvel one? Another Marvel. The marvelist of Marvel titles. We've got... Amazing Spider-Man number 40. Nick Spencer. Um, who have we got on our... T- you always have to double check. It yeah, changes so often. Ivan Coelho <laughs> and Z. Carlos. Um, Amazing Spider-Man is never too far from our picks of or our no, honorable mentions, is it? it? This one, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, as we say, taking the deep cuts even deeper. Um, so th- this one, basically, we have... Uh, the foreigner has tasked Chance with, um, obviously Chance is in a bit of a gambling debt and he is tasked with uh, stealing Spider-Man's web shooters. Yeah, that was right. Uh, um, hot off the back of uh, Spider-Man being interviewed by J. Jonah Jameson on his new Threats and Menaces podcast, <laughs> which didn't go well for either of them. No, <laughs> and they touch upon it here uh, slightly later. Um, I enjoyed this Spider-Man. Um, there's some great narration in it. I really enjoyed He was like... Um, I gotta admit, there's something weirdly reassuring about running into a supervillain you haven't seen in a long time. Take this one, for instance, Chance, mercenary who play, mercenary who places bets on his own fights. It's been a long time since we faced each other, but honestly, it feels like nothing's changed at all. It's like fighting a bike to the death. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, like fighting a bike to the death. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of great stuff going on. There's um, another sort of old. Would you say he's he's an old villain, Jacko Lantern? And Jacko Lantern, sort of, but there's loads of them. Yeah, yeah. a couple of them. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed this one. And there's a very interesting twist at the end um, with the clairvoyant, shall we say? Which was the core of uh, the 2099 yeah. event, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot going on there, and I'm really really enjoying what they what they're tying together here. So yeah, um, it's always near the top of the pile. I think it could have been. I feel like we always talk about it though, so it's like you kind of want to give it a back seat. But yeah, that's that's my Marvel title of the week. I mean, it is interesting. Obviously, when you do a weekly review show, it is hard to not mention Batman and Spider Man. Yeah. You know, they they do for the, form the core of their company, and then to a degree, X Men as well. Yeah, they they form such uh, an important part of the companies they're dealt with. So yeah. that's maybe why it sounds like it's a little bit monotonous to always praise yeah. those titles but but know. we're monotonous in our consistency because they're so good like yeah they yeah i don't think my knowledge of comics isn't always going to be the best but i'm sure there's been spider-man runs that haven't been as consistently yeah, good as this you know? it's nice it's nice whenever uh companies understand their flagship characters and who those characters are and put strong strong talent you know mm-hmm. to in order to steer that flagship you know so so yeah and that so the cream floats to the top you know when batman has been really strong you know under tom king and now and now under the, the sort of the new management and, and you know spencer has been on on spidey now for 40 issues and it's just been it's been great stuff you know so it's just nice to see those things and what hickman's doing in the x-men those those should be strong i mean even aaron and the avengers you know what i mean those mm-hmm. are those are the, the flagship books you know I do love the cover for Amazing 40 as well. It's very old school. <laughs> you know, I like it when covers tell a story. And even just in that one image where, you know, 
Spidey's fighting Chance and Jonah Jameson's hanging out the window always after a story. Well, <laughs> Where does Chance rate against, say, Doc Ock? And, of course, Spidey gives his witty retort of Jonah, shut up. And uh, quick yes or no, speech bubbles on uh, on covers, yes. Alan, Vicky? Yes. Yes. And a yes from me. But it, with a caveat. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. One more it answer. Has, it depends on the, <laughs> like, something like Spider-Man. Absolutely, yes. But if you're talking like an indie title, I'm like... Kind yeah, of, I mean, you it, know. It, it does and depend it, on the title, I will agree. There is a really good one in Hell Arisen number three uh, this week as well, which is the Joker standing over a pile of bodies and he just goes, hmm, this crowd is dead. <laughs> it does. I, I like it. I like it. It's a very old school thing though, isn't it? Yeah. It is, but that's not a bad thing. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. And I think, yeah, it has to be... I think it brings a certain lightness to mm-hmm. the cover so if you're, you're going through a dark spidey arc you're not going to see speech bubbles in the cover yeah that's fair that's fair I don't remember any speech bubbles on the front of the hunted storyline for example hey you're hunted <laughs> <laughs> you should have been writing that Rod. Uh what else got Keith then a uh, couple of Marvel titles from me um, anybody read uh, the first issue of Matthew Rosenberg's Forceworks 2020 I haven't, but on your recommendation, I am going to. Yeah, I mean, Matthew Rosenberg's been doing some great stuff recently Hawkeye, in, in Hawkeye Fall, and Punisher. Punisher. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, so he returns to not necessarily a character, but certainly an armor that he's familiar with uh, from the Punisher run. Um, so uh, to answer a question Alan had asked, do you need to be reading uh, Iron Man 2020 in order to understand what's going on in this book? My uh, response would be no, you don't. Effectively, this is set against the background of it, um, and all you need is uh, Marvel's patented, uh, you know, what Previously. has gone before. Previously. Yeah, exactly. So, so this is part of the the twenty Iron Man twenty twenty event. But all you really need to know is that there's an AI uprising, and uh, the government have needed um, have needed a, a team of operatives in order to uh, present stand as humanity's last line of defense against the robot rebels. They are Forceworks. Forceworks was an old. Um, an old uh, Marvel book in the 90s. They had been the West Coast Avengers and eventually then became Forceworks and had a, had a good long run. So um, our team in this start off, it seems to be um, Solo, who is a, a weapon specialist and teleporter and has been around Marvel for a long, long time. Uh, Gauntlet, who was part of the Avengers Academy sort of thing and, uh, and War Machine. And uh, their initial incursion uh, goes quite badly. Uh, Solo decides he's quitting because, um, you know, he doesn't think that War Machine's a team player and uh, Gauntlet ends up in hospital. So Maria Hill, uh, formerly of S.H.I.E.L.D., seems to be in charge of this particular initiative. And um, effectively, there's some uh, there's some bad stuff happening on the island of uh, Lingaris and uh, Quake, uh, Daisy Johnson, who we also know from the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. TV series, uh, former agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. as well. Um, they head to this. Uh, they head to this island where 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 stuffs stuffs happening. There's a missing operative, is what it is. Uh, so, Quake is sent on this uh, this top of the range plane, which is being piloted. We find out by John Walker, the U.S. agent. Uh, U.S. agent is formerly he uh, formerly he filled the role of Cap whenever Steve Rogers decided he didn't trust the government, stepped down. U.S. agent was effectively the uh, hard right wing version of Cap, <laughs> and was just he's a he's a straight up um, uh, he's an authoritarian. He's a right wing authoritarian. 
Um, and uh, he now, you know, after Steve came back to the role of Captain America, he was given the role of US agent um, and, and remained that. So um, there's been a wee bit of, of John Walker uh, throughout some stories, but uh, he's back here now in this and he's uh, he's ever a total prick. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like a really, really dicky version of, uh, of Captain America. Um, so yeah, effectively, uh, this group uh, team up. Um, so U.S. Agent War Machine. Um, so it's a, you know U.S. Agent was the replacement for Captain America. War Machine was the replacement for Iron Man. So that's a an interesting sort of a thing. Um, and uh, they team up with with Daisy Johnson, and uh, they find Mockingbird uh, is the the missing agent on, on the island. Uh, her mission was to do a a thing, a doohickey thing. But they're all attacked by Deathlocks. And uh, it doesn't seem to be going well at the end of the issue, but uh, really, really good sort of action-packed issue. Great to see some of these characters, you know, Rhodey as War Machine, John Walker as US Agent, uh, say Daisy Johnson and um, and Mockingbird uh, together again. Uh, some real snarky Matthew Rosenberg dialogue. Uh, I so, should expect. Yeah, always nice. So I think uh, if you were thinking about reading this, Alan, you should. I think you'll really enjoy it knowing that that you enjoy Rosenberg stuff. So, yeah, Forceworks 2020, number one. I'll be sticking with that one. Cool. And um, for the benefit of Stephen, can you please explain Giant Size X-Men in three minutes or less? Giant Size X-Men, Jean Grey, Emma Frost. Um, it is a psychic rescue. Uh, so, obviously, two of the premier psychics of, uh, of Marvel Universe and uh, Mutantdom. Uh, it starts uh, fairly simply. Something has happened to Storm uh, in, in, in the current X-Men run. And uh, Jean Grey and Emma Frost are effectively sent into her mindscape in order to, to, to figure out what this is, to, to undertake a, a psychic rescue and, uh, I guess, psychic first aid. Um, so, yeah, um, it's interesting. It is a mostly dialogue-free uh, issue. I really do want to get the alphabet, though, and see what that says. Oh, it says, uh, silence, psychic rescue in progress. Oh, so you looked it up, or did you crack the code yourself? Uh, I. <laughs> it's funny actually. I've, I've taken you know the whenever the Dawn of X stuff yeah. started, there was a wee card. So like a total nerd, I've taken a picture of that card on my phone, <laughs> and, and uh, now go through it. But I'm starting to find now I've I've decoded enough of these. I can start to see common letters. I, know, I speak Krakoan. <laughs> I'm starting. I don't speak it. I certainly am starting to uh, translate <laughs> entry level reading. <laughs> you know, so so yeah, it is a it is a, a mostly dialogue free issue that you know the silence. You know the fact that that big sign says silence. I think would point out that there's not going to be a lot of speaking. So and especially then in Storm's mindscape, which is really interesting. Um, so Emma Frost and, and Jean Grey go inside her her mind, and and then there's a lot of iconography, and it's a really it's a really visually driven issue, and as you know, Storm's mind is protected by her own psychic defenses and they have to get inside and Jean has to, you know, the, the iconography where she explains that her and Storm are friends and and then you have, uh, you know, Emma Frost going, well, <laughs> not quite friends, you know. So there's there's some really lovely um, visuals throughout and how concepts are, uh, are communicated through those visuals, through those psychic visuals. Uh, and sort of how it goes and then we've got a moment that sort of refers back to Storm's um, claustrophobia you know as the two of them are, are embroiled in Storm's mind so yeah just um, a really good 
sort of one-shot issue. It's the first of a series of giant size yeah. uh, things, I think. We've got a Phantom X one coming up. We've got a... Um, Magneto. Magneto one coming up. One. Um, Nightcrawler, I think. Yeah, Nightcrawler. Total. I think they're all written by Hickman. All Hickman, yeah. Um, but this this nods back to the previous story in X-Men um, of the Children of the Vault. And there's a bit of a twist at the end here where we find out that the Children of the Vault have given Storm a machine virus. Kind of, I guess that is reminiscent of... Uh, tomorrow, yes. Of tomorrow that you, you talked about earlier. And that it's going to kill her in the next 30 days. And they really need to get that sorted. So it seems these these giant size issues are going to certainly link to the story. Again, probably not critical to um, to reading this, you know, to the ongoing story. But certainly, knowing in here that Storm now has a machine virus that's going to kill her in thirty days might might become important. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I can see why some people might not necessarily like the fact that it's for the most part uh, text free. But yeah. but I think. Sometimes then. it's nice to get those though. Yeah. Have just the art show for yeah. itself and yeah. come through. Yeah, and and the the clever thinking that it takes to communicate and and single panel visuals, what would otherwise maybe take a speech bubble or a conversation between characters. There's certainly some thought has gone into that. Yeah. No, that's it. It made it put me in mind of one of my favorite issues, which was back in the New Fifty Two, and it was Batman and Robin number eighteen. And the entire issue is completely silent, and it's Bruce's first time on patrol after the death of Damien. So of course you know, he's not going to be in the mood to talk, you know. But he's not. He's not a big talker. Usually, he's not a big talker in general. <laughs> but the uh, the whole issue was absolutely incredible, and again, zero dialogue in it. So it, when it's done well, which it was in this case as well, then, I have no problem with that every so often, you know. But then there was an issue you showed me the other day from Hawkeye. Um, I can't remember whose one it was. <laughs> Um, Mad where, Fraction, where it's the set, only Hawkeye run that matters. Oh, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> but Where it's set through the, the mind or the eyes Lucky of the dog. The yeah. dog. So I had a quick flick through the issue because Alan handed it me the other day and I was like... So it's just... It allows the art sometimes to speak and to show... Yeah, oh, that's right, the dog, yeah. Showcase um, um, the the issue, so... Well, there's the odd word of dialogue in it because it'll be all, like, gibberish. That's right, But then yeah. there'll be, like, sit in the middle yeah, of the it or, you know, understands. paw yeah. or, you know... Um, yeah. yeah, that's interesting. There was another issue of Hawkeye, I think, at another time because Hawkeye is hearing impaired. Where's hearing aids? You know, so, so that's his, his thing. And I think there was, a, there was an issue of Hawkeye that was quite silent for that reason. His... Mm-hmm. Because his, his, his hearing aids were, were broken or were lost or something. So, yeah. Mm, intriguing. Yep. Uh, one last Marvel title you want to throw out a bit of love for? Um, it's Star Wars issue three. Um, it's where. Um, the return Lan- to Cloud City. Yeah, with Lando and obviously Leia still does not trust him. So she's with, with him and uh, Luke. But before that, it's. Um, there's a. The um, not the the rebel, oh. the uh, rebel fleet, um, the sixth division, is um has taken out another ship of layers, and oh the imperial fleet oh the imperial fleet that's it they've taken out a rebel f- uh, vessel, and one of the guys on there is trying to go out and fix the ship because there's been some damage sustained to it when the Death Star was taken out that's right yeah yeah and the commander she goes nuts she's like no you don't understand what this ship means to me and everybody that's on that is on on here so everyone has lost someone to the rebels yeah yeah, she seems like a really interesting character she seems a badass yeah yeah 
But we're not allowed to like her because she's part of the the bad guys. <laughs> but obviously they go back to Cloud City and um, Lando has got his device that is able to turn off the guns and they go. he's got his own thing that he needs to do, but then it turns out so does Leia. And yeah, Luke. I mean, so does Luke. Uh, Luke, yeah. Luke is looking to track down his lost lightsaber. Uh, Leia wants to find out how to undo the, the carbonate freezing process because, as we know, you know, Han. Han has been frozen. She won't locate him until Return of the Jedi. This falls between Empire and Jedi. So we now know how Leia learned how to defrost Han, Han. whenever she snuck into Jabba's palace in the Jedi. So yeah. there's those wee moments. And Lando is... What's Lando up to? He's seen... I think it's one of his men is connected to the city. Is is it um Lobit? Oh yeah, the dude. You remember the dude with the the, the one of the um Lobot was one of the guys with a thing around his head, the the cyborg type dudes. That, yeah, yeah. I think he's trying to put the toxin back into the city that's meant to be going that goes out to the atmosphere. So. Um, but no, it's 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 good, and then sort of the last uh, second to last page, um, Luke finds where his lightsaber could be, but it's gonna be like finding a needle in a haystack. Absolutely, and Leah gets captured, and she is like Han. Yeah, She's lovely, uh, lovely page there at the end with Leah frozen in carbonite, just like Han. So. Yeah, really, really enjoying Star Wars. Yeah. I have to say, we uh, whenever before Charles Soule took over, we were very much avoiding Star Wars Corner. <laughs> now I think myself and Vicky are neck deep in it. <laughs> yeah. That and um, Darth Vader is... I I didn't jump on to um, Kylo Ren early enough and yeah. it's near impossible to try and get tracked down. So yeah. I'll just stick with these two. Yeah, that and Darth Vader are doing it for me as well. Yeah. Because yeah. mm-hmm. it's nice because they're... They're the same story, but... So From different points of view, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's... set nice. in the same time period. Yeah. Charles Soule on both, was it? Greg Pak is on. Yes, that's right. Sorry, you're right. Greg Pak and Charles Soule on Star Wars. Yeah, so that's uh, sort of Marvel honourable mentions. I'll finish off them with a few indie honourable mentions. Again, you're probably going to hear a few different titles here that you've heard before, but again, it is just a testament to the quality of them. A mm-hmm. uh, little mix of stuff there. Got a little bit of boom, a little bit of image. Did you say little mix? Thinking about Stephen again. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, we got a little Vault Comics in there. Well, yeah, there's a real mixture here. Uh, a little mix, if you will. There you go. Uh, how about you kick us off, Roddy? Well, how about this? The only little mix song I know is Black Magic. Oh, dear. <laughs> We're going to kick off with Black Stars above. If only we had <laughs> been reviewing... If only we had been reviewing the actual title, Black Magic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of number fours in this, uh, certainly for me anyway. Um, yeah, I noticed that as well. If anybody is on this book, Black Stars Above is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I don't even know where to start to describe this horror-tinged absolute beauty of a book. Um, Lonnie Nadler and artist Jenna Chan, coloured by Brad Simpson, lettered by Hassan Otman el Hau. This is fantastic. Just high level story it's absolutely literary cthulhu-esque um i think i read the first issue i keep meaning to grab the it other it is phenomenal keith and the way you were saying about silence in um what was, what was the issue you were talking about 
Giant size X-Men. This one has quite a lot of um, silence in it too, and sort of. It's never been a dialogue-heavy book, has it? It's always been like diary entries yeah, or thought processes. The most of the word balloon, well, the balloons are always the diary entry. Um, this it's a masterpiece, and I'm really enjoying it. Really can't get enough of it, and um, don't, I won't get into this story too much for you. Just phenomenal i think there's one more to go and like it's just absolutely oh yeah absolutely gorgeous a very it's literary but it's also it's very imaginative and i love the structure of it too and just what they're doing with the art form unbelievable yeah, really, really enjoy really um yeah pick it up when it comes out in trade it's going to make a very very special trade definitely beautiful yeah i mean i've continued collecting it i really enjoyed the first issue and then the sort of the script writing on it i i wasn't a big fan of it put me off it slightly mm -hmm. but i knew there was a really good story there so i thought right just keep collecting it and then when it finishes pick it up read it one go um so i have continued with the collection for it so i have uh cool uh that's black stars above number four what about another number four vicky what have we got we got folklores, which I don't think I'm the only one that is enjoying at the moment. Yes. Would it be everyone? I see a clean sweep around the yeah. table. Because um, this is issue four, and it carries on with um, Ugly, as as she is, and uh, what's his name again? Well, Abel. And Abel. Um, their adventure um, at the start it, it no, I'm slightly concerned that it's not Abel because Keith just looked at me like is it Abel? is Abel not the Abel's protagonist the of Middle Earth? Middle, Middle West? Middle that's West. what I'm thinking of <laughs> um, but at the start of the book it starts with um, how Ugly gets her nickname as Ugly and how she go is growing up and which is and so Ansel. There we go. I knew it began with A and ended now. <laughs> <laughs> and had an E. <laughs> I'm so close. But it, it's kind of sad if when you start to read it how her story begins and and it's just... It, it plays a lot, this issue, on this whole stereotype of kissing a, kissing a frog to release yeah, a prince. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, yeah. She feels so that the way she looks... It's clearly not right, and she must be cursed. Yeah, and, she spends and therefore, if she kisses a prince, she will become beautiful, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, folklore continues to be great. That it is slated to be a five-issue mini-series, but there's so much going on in this right now that this there's no way this can all wrap up in one more issue. There's 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 a lot going on in this. Yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Roddy. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. You go for it. <laughs> so again, uh, since the start, we've been treated to this differentiation in the in the lettering. You know, you've got some individual who a narrator, an unseen narrator, who's you know who who is taking us through the story or not taking us through the story, as the case may be. Um, starts with "Have you figured it out yet?" and then we've you know, and then we have the "Once Upon a Time" dialogue and different you know and different um, lettering. Yeah. Uh, you know, so. Uh, we're we're more and more we're being told you know there's something more going on here than we can see than we're that we're being shown, and I mean if this is if this is if the next issue is the last issue there there seems like a lot to tie up but I really think they're I really think they're getting there. Uh, there's another set of dialogue here, another set of of lettering here, in Ansel's dream. Wake up, this is real. Wake up, and we see. Um, the, f the front of a building uh, that has the eye of the librarian and two lions 
on either side, the first thing I thought about was the New York Library and Ghostbusters. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. I, that's what, I think that's what we're looking at here. Yeah. Uh, the two lions that guard it. Um, so there's there's a lot going on. Um, they again meet, uh, what do we call the uh, the librarian that they've met before? The, the guy who seems to be, uh, the guy or girl that seems to be um, a rogue librarian or of some kind. Um, what was the name? I'm not sure they've ever really given the name. He he just always refers to him as uh, the one librarian that hasn't been horrible to him. Uh, Sal. They call him Sal Paradise. Um, he says, "Call me Sal, Sal Paradise." I don't know if the, the reference is there, but but yeah, it's just uh, they they end up uh, going into the library of banned books, and we're being told a lot here. I'm just not sure what it is. Um, you know the 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 little weird looking librarian dude says be my guest each room has only one entrance and one exit a cover and a back cover if you will each room magically preserving a different work of literature um and all these wee creatures who are playing parts or playing roles in this literature uh all seem to be like out of it and drugged um and there seems to be a, I don't know, there seems to be a reference to Alice in Wonderland, and there seems to be a reference to, like, Jack the Ripper, and there seems to be a reference to Edgar Allan Poe. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, there's so, and, and like, some sort of World War One reference, uh, I don't know, first thing I think about is sort of Tolkien, maybe, or I don't, I'm not sure. Um, there's a lot going on, and I don't think... I just don't know. And then the the end. But the ending was the most interesting part for me. Yeah. So you've got your narrator. Who has so far has been on scene. And I guess this is the same guy, the same individual who has been narrating the story all the way through. You want it? to believe it, but maybe there's more <laughs> there's surprises to come. Yeah, there, maybe I, he isn't. So, but uh-huh. then uh, sort of towards the end, he's like, because it, Basically, everything is an allegory in this book. Yeah. Well, that's what Ansel's supposed to think. And then I love the ending where he's like, life is nothing but an allegory. To be continued? Always to be continued. But to continue? <laughs> Question mark. Sometimes I am forced to take things into my own hands. Time for me to play my role. And then we see to be continued with the eye. As a smoke ring. The yeah. smoke ring. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, there's a yeah there's so there's so much going on here and i i just it's i'm not quite there yet (laughs) but it's fantastic and i can't wait to find out where what's happening here although i quite like the uh just really noticed it now there's a boom studios ad in the back of it but it's for last year so it's like folklords number one upcoming releases issue one on sale november 13th update their adverts Yeah, I mean, considering we have mentioned Strange Skies over East Berlin and Red Mother on this uh, podcast previously as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, they're they're getting the important part right, which is the uh, the issue itself. So, yeah. well, we can let them away with that. Uh, another number four, certainly I'm enjoying, and again, I think it says a clean sweep around the table, is Philadelphia, uh, written by Rodney Barnes, art by Jason Sean Alexander. I have a feeling this might be extending, this might be a bit of an ongoing as well. Jason Sean Alexander recently announced that he's stepping away from Spawn duties. He's been the artist on Spawn for maybe 20, 25 issues. And this seems to be the only other thing he's working on at the moment. So unless there's an unannounced project to come, I have a feeling this might might continue for a while, which I would be more than happy with. Um, I would say, just from looking at the cover, it may be well. So we've got Philadelphia, you know, the the banner line, and then it says Sins of the Father, part four. Yeah, so that's your first story arc, really, isn't it? 
Because um, they said it was supposed to be six issues to start with, yeah. and then I think it'll go more. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. I know the hopefully. first couple of issues went to second print, for example, but we're right in the thick of it here. Uh, this is this is pretty much the first issue where you've got a complete vampire uprising uh, starting to take over the city, and the art is absolutely horrific and gorgeous at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, great double-page spreads of all the anarchy and chaos going on on the, the train system. Um, you know, this this train pulls up and it's just spattered in blood and the police think that they're ready for it and the doors open nope. and they basically <laughs> just sort of smile at them when they shoot them and then, you know, completely destroy them. You get a little bit of a look into the uh, the previous life of our main detective. Um, just a lot of great stuff in this and great imagery and great colours uh, the whole way through. Really grimy and dirty. Uh, it really made me hope that this is going to be a book that does expand i mean obviously it's set in philadelphia but you they say it in it this is the first of many mm-hmm. um, i just i think the, the the central conceit of the book that uh you know the former second president of the u.s john adams is the as the he's he's the one leading the chief, it all yeah the, the <laughs> commander or the commander in chief of the vampire army yeah um you know when he's what he's trying to do here is you know this is 200 year plan to to try and you know, and then we've got uh, we, we get a wee bit more insight into um, is it John's relationship with his father? Uh, so the father being uh, Sangster, the the detective, the the um, I've lost names, I've lost names. Um, Jimmy, Jimmy is the son, and John, I believe, is the father. And there's there's that interesting relationship between them before the father died and became a vampire. He was the and now a newly discovered relationship. Yeah, he's alive. yeah, he was. Yeah, so well, he was real police, <laughs> and the son could never quite match up to him. So he's got that relationship, and then the burgeoning relationship between Jimmy and his father's former partner, um, and all of that. So there's a there's a whole lot going on here as well, um, and uh, you know, uh, Sangster as as the vampire is slowly starting to give in to his hunger. Uh, so yeah, there's uh, very very good, very good indeed. It's a fantastic book. Yeah, thanks for thanks for putting us on there, Roddy. Oh, you're welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah, very this good. is a this is a great horror book. I reckon this will sell well trade wise as well. Um, collect it all together will be will be a great book. Uh, what else have we got left? A couple more indie ones to throw out there. Have we got another number four? Yep, it's Olympia. Um, I know Roddy and I are the only ones reading it. Um, it's gone back to the usual artist on it, I believe, isn't it, Roddy? Yeah, um, Alex Diotto, isn't it? Which um, is that something of a disappointment? It, I thought, yeah, it so kind of is because um, Roddy and I were talking about it earlier because the third issue, it was from a different perspective. It was from the guy that writes the comic within the comic, and it was from his perspective. So the art style was done. I can't remember who it was, but it was it was fresh it was clean it wasn't jerky to say the least it was sort of it was just whereas i said to Ronnie that i'm gonna continue reading this because i think there's one more issue mm-hmm. um just to see where it plays out but it's it's not one that i am overly enjoying but i just want to finish the story and see where it has gone yeah I'd, I'd be the same like it's fantastic looking in a way but i also feel it's very uh, like a simplistic sort of um story you know um and 
digging it, but I certainly wouldn't say it's been my favorite, uh, you know, comic. Um, thought the first one was a great setup, but I'm certainly, yeah, I'm just sort of kind of wanting it to end at the moment. Yeah, you know, it's almost sadly. based more for children. I feel. Yeah, um, I think it. It might be one of those great um, young adult comics, but it yeah. certainly doesn't feel like it's connecting with me at this point. Yeah, I agree. It's, it, it is, like you say, it is good, but I'm wanting it to hurry up so I can start something else and s- something can replace it almost, which mm-hmm. is kind of a shame. I'd, I always know that we shouldn't just carry on reading things for the sake of reading them, but when there is only one more issue, it just feels like we should just finish it and... Be done with it almost. Yeah. Know. But that's Olympia number four from Body and Me. Um, I have one more... Um, I think you read it, didn't you, Alan? Yeah, I wasn't overly enthused by it. It's called Finger Guns. It's a vault comic. Uh, This is a new number one. It was just a bit of fun. I felt like there was this teen kid that does like his wee gun movement with his finger to try and get the time in class to move forward. But obviously his teacher catches him and says, you know, that's not going to change anything. And does this sulky teenager like hand on the chin rolls eyes but then in the afternoon he sort of goes to the mall or he goes home first and he gets a message from his dad saying that he won't be home he's got a an important meeting so his dad's left him money for pizza so he, he goes out and he sees a dad being a bit of a jerk to his son and he sort of points his fingers and then all of a sudden the shopping bag just like explodes out of his hand so He's sort of not really sure what's going on. And then he sort of meets this girl that does something similar, but his is more makes people angry, whereas hers sort of chills them out a bit. So it's just, it's just a bit of fun. Um, it's weird when you say that, because when I think of fault, and I mean this in like the nicest possible way, I do not think of fun. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what this one is. If you flick through it afterwards, um, cool. you'll see, but... Just, I'll probably see what the next couple of issues are like and see if it does progress into a better story. But yeah, I mean, the art style is very sort of Scott Pilgrimy. Uh, so yeah, it is. It it's, but it just it just didn't grab me personally. But you know, I would obviously with it being such a big week as well. Uh, Interesting uh, for me. Do you know? You think maybe there will be a lot of when I think of Vault, I think of grand epic sci-fi grand <laughs> ideas and yeah lots of literary high, stuff high high themes and concepts you know so it looks it, like a change for them you know so that might be might be a cool wee detour appealing to a whole new market <laughs> oh. uh cool so that's gonna bring to an end uh all of our reviews for the the titles we enjoyed from uh this week but we always like to finish off with what we're looking forward to for next week uh i'll certainly kick it off um for me, there's, there are three titles that really stand out this week. The first is, unsurprisingly, Batman number 90. Uh, this is the start of Jorge Jimenez on Batman for the first ever time. Uh, so that change in direction has me really excited. I think Tinian's starting to come into his own with the writing now. Uh, I was a little hesitant at first, but 
I suffered the same thing when Tom Kane first took over from Schneider because it wasn't Schneider. It took me a little while to get used to it. But this is like the start of the big run, isn't it? They yeah. had like a wee couple of issues to transition. Yeah, that's it. So he's starting to starting to find his own voice now with it, I think. Uh, another title I'm personally looking really forward to is a crossover uh, of Outer Darkness and Chew. Uh, this is number one of a three-issue miniseries. Outer Darkness is not something I've read uh, it is by the same writer of Chew, John Lehman, but Chew I'm a massive fan of, so any any, excru- any excuse to bring Tony Chew back, I'm on board for. Does it have... Uh, oh, Poyo better be in there. Poyo, the demonic robot chicken is not in there. I am not reading it. Poyo! Poyo! <laughs> uh, and then for me, the title of the week, you know, I again, I don't care if I'm part of the cult of King. Uh, the, very much the uh, title of the week for me is Strange Adventures number one. You're Tom. the high priest. <laughs> I will take that as a compliment no, uh, It's not a cult I want to join Really? Because you're down for the first issue uh, Tom Keen on writing And then the art duties Two different artists on it Which is uh, his Mr. Miracle uh, cohort Which is Mitch Dreads But you've also got Evan Doc Shaner on this as well yeah. So those are the three for me How about yourself Vicky? I've got Farmhand issue 14 um, which is another series that I'm oh, absolutely yeah. loving. It always pretty much goes to the top of the pile because it's just something that's fun and interesting. By Rob Guillory, the artist mm. of Chew. Exactly. Yes. Oh. So. Dark stuff. What, yeah. what, what is it they call it? Uh, rural. Rural horror. Rural horror, yeah. And then um, my next comic is actually one that should have been with us last week. But for some reason, Diamond didn't ship it. Diamond! Good old Diamond is Jessica Jones number four. I think it's um, second to last issue, or is it? I think it's six. Six. Okay, so we've got a couple more issues, which I'm quite pleased about. Um, I'm really digging it. And then um, the my final one is Daredevil 19, because let's be honest, who doesn't love Daredevil at the moment? Daredevil as well. well. <laughs> I'm not reading it, but I could. Daredevil is one of the few titles that has slowly climbed in terms of pull lists in our store uh, over time. It maybe started out at eight or nine <coughs> pull lists. It's now up hitting 20. It's, I think it's our third biggest Marvel pull now. Hmm. And I think that's it's, a testament it, to the, the greatness of it. It is good good stuff and sort of... And the part of brainwashing through our podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Consistent Possibly. brainwashing. Well, we've now got Stephen um, on single issues. Stephen's getting a lot of mentions this podcast, I know, he really is. If he doesn't um, listen to this, he's going to get slapped. All right, Stephen, there you go. Um, but no, he's now... He has picked up the first two trades of this and is loving it, but we've managed to source him a lot of the singles and with Andy's help, he's now near enough got the full run of singles so he's uh he's very happy with that yeah That's cool. cool so those are vicky's three uh how about you roddy uh for me i'm gonna kick you off with a marvel title christopher cantwell and salvador la Roca's dr doom number six um yeah really looking forward to this one um Basically, Dr. Doom, he's seeking an insurance policy that will ensure his reign over Latveria takes up forever. Um, That does not sound like a Marvel title. So, (laughs) Dr. Doom is uh, seeking out an insurance policy. (laughs) Yeah, um, I think this is also going to feature Kang the Conqueror. Um, Yeah. That's been a great series so far. Yeah, really really loving it. it. Really loving it. Um, It started off with Dr. Doom almost trying to be good. Well, the, but he's in the, a way. yeah, the I mean, Doctor Doom's done that in the Superior Iron Man, 
uh, he was the the good guy. Uh, so he's been mm-hmm. through that particular um, phase. Uh, but this was uh, he was kind of uh, he was mal- he was set up. He was set up. Mm-hmm. He was double crossed and set up, um, wasn't he? Um, after the destruction of that moon base, that yeah. was uh, yeah the black hole that was solving climate change. And Doctor Drum was like, nope, never going to work. <laughs> and uh, then it was destroyed, and it looked very much like Latveria had done it. So Doom has been on the run for the past five issues. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of on the run, uh, Butcher of Paris, another number four. Um, so in, I think in number four, this is Stephanie Phillips and Dean Cotts, their story of the Butcher of Paris. Um, I think in issue four, at the end of issue three, Paris was liberated, wasn't it? And uh, so. Well, the Nazis were planning on burning everything, weren't they? Yeah, with this. I think this gives the uh, the famous butcher a chance to escape with all the stuff that's going on, so that'll be interesting. Um, looking forward to that one. And my last one is another vault title, um, No One's Rose, which I haven't really read too much about, but it's going to be a... Um, I think the reason I'm really looking forward to it was the fact that it is a solar punk title. And I kind of like solar punk things. The hell's solar punk? Uh, so hopeful sci-fi with an environmental twist. Oh. So, uh, I believe mostly it is, you know, the way everything is kind of dystopian these days? Uh-huh. Yeah, solar punk is usually uh, something utopian. Ah. So it's where humankind does not completely destroy the future. Yeah, so it's sort of like a hopeful look. <laughs> Interesting. Um, so high fantasy. This then. is by Zach Thompson, uh, who was doing a Yondu series recently. Um, and also debut writer Emily Horn and artist Alberto Jimenez, Albuquerque. So, yeah, looking forward to that one. Um, I think it'll be a much more serious vault title than uh, Finger Guns. But, <laughs> yeah, can't wait. I think next week's going to be a really good week, too. What about you, Keith? Uh, next week, uh, I'm looking forward to The Flash 750. Uh, it's one of those 750 titles that has a thousand different covers from various decades. Uh, I think Joshua Williamson has been joined by Jeff Johns and Marv Wolfman. And we begin the Flash Edge story. It's a story that they've been building for towards since uh, about issue 50. Uh, there's a supercharged speed force that's wreaking havoc on Barry Allen's life. Um, and there's a new threat that appears in the horizon who we were introduced to very recently called Paradox. Um, and he's destined to destroy Flash's legacy. He has herald as Godspeed. Um, and he's sent to trap the Flash family. Plus, it's a, an anniversary issue, so there's tales from across the generations of a variety of different speedsters. And as I say, there's uh, there's a whole load of different, um, a whole load of different uh, covers uh, for that. Um, what else? I've got an Aftershock title, Roddy, called Join the Future, um, written by Zach Kaplan and Peter Kowalski. Oh, yeah, that's the Zach Kaplan doing Port of Earth, which I really enjoyed. Uh, yeah, that's right. So it's the future. It's ultra-modern megacities uh, reward millions of their citizens with a completely funded life. They meet every, every needs met, from food to housing to healthcare. And in order to compete in an economic power struggle, which the population is key, um, but there's a there are rural residents and they're still clinging to their independence and uh, in the last small American towns that are left. And uh, when a nearby megacity pressures the people of a small town to join up, or else a young teenage girl named Clem will learn how far she'll go to defend her principles. 
Cool. Um, so that's Join the Future One. Man, uh, these westerns. Like yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, it's a like a futuristic western yeah. noir. I'm all over it. And then from uh, from everybody's favorite uh, writer, who uh, sadly will be coming off a book really enjoying in the very near future, Scotty Young. Uh, he's the writer, and Humberto Ramos on Strange Academy One. This is the Sorcerer's School for the Marvel Universe. Um, so the Marvel Universe has mysteriously changed in such an alarming way that Doctor Strange has done what he's avoided for decades. He's opened a school for young sorcerers. Young people from all around the world with aptitude and magic have been brought together in New Orleans to study the mystic arts under Doctor Strange, Brother Voodoo, the Ancient One, the Scarlet Witch, Magic, Hellstrom, and all your favourite Marvel magicians. But uh, with all the magical Marvel threats, is it too late? So uh, Scotty Young and Humberto Ramos. And we've seen the previews for this in the back of a lot of Marvel Comics, couple of couple of months back, seen um, but not read. True, true, true that, true, true but that. Yeah, looking forward, looking forward to this. So, yeah, that's my three. Cool. So those are the titles that will be coming this new comic book day, uh, this Wednesday. So yeah, that's going to do it for us for our review show this week. Pleasure is always joined by the guys. And I'll see you next week. Vicky's looking to be fed. She's very hungry. We all are. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Keep on winging it. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Coffee and Heroes, a comic book and coffee shop in Smithfield Market, Belfast. You can find us on all the usual social media outlets at Coffee Heroes One on Twitter, at Coffee and Heroes on Instagram, and just search Coffee and Heroes on Facebook. This podcast is also produced in association with Fracture Press, an independent comic label also based in Belfast. You can find Fracture Press on all major social media platforms. If you do like what we do, please rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and most importantly, spread the word. Good evening, and here is the news. (laughs) Good night and good luck.